Nobody makes it easier to stay on top of all of your health concerns than Meridian Medical Services. Hey, it's JMV. Call them today, 317-925-0811, and schedule your heart screening. I know my situation. You should, too. Make the call. It is affordable. It is easy, and you will know. 317-925-0811. Nobody's more affordable. Nobody's easier than Meridian Medical Services. Call them today, 317-925-0811. 11. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Happy Hump Day. Happy Jonathan Taylor Day. I don't know what to call this here on the ride with JMV. 93.5-1075 The Fan. I'm Derek Schultz filling in for John today who is out for reasons unknown. I never pry when they text me and they say, hey, can you come in and, and fill in for JMV? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I don't never ask, hey, why? What's going on? Other people have things going on in their lives, but I'm happy to be back in the big chair here. And, I, and I'm happy to get to discuss a smorgasbord of Colts topics right now as we're sort of kind of a quarter of the way through the season. I really hate the 17 games because 17 games means you can't like do the quarters thing anymore. You can't even do a halfway thing anymore. It's annoying. I'll never get used to it. The records don't sound right. Four and 13 sounds stupid. 10 and seven sounds stupid. Eight and nine sounds stupid. But through the quarter poll, if we're still just humor me, we're going to call it the quarter poll of the season. I think there's a lot to get to. When it comes to the Colts, we also have uh, a loaded list of headlines to talk about, but they do this thing now in between shows. As you guys know, a lot of you are are holding over from Querying Company where the hosts talk to each other like John goes on Jake's show and then Jake comes on John's show and Jake was actually pulling out of the Emma's parking garage and I had to open up one of the windows here on the circle and scream at him to come back in here. So he'd come in and do the crosstalk segment because I don't know if you know this, Jake, and and Todd said this to me in an email. You are obligated to speak with me for several minutes in the opening segment. You know that, right? Sure. So, hi. You had several minutes to speak to me and you just burnt like three of them with your intro. So we're off to a good start. I had to lay the groundwork. This is the one of the few times where you and I have been on the air together where I'm firmly in control. This is kind of my show. I'm welcome you on to my show, at least for today. So welcome. <laughs> okay. That is a, well, and you're, thank and you. you're welcome. Thank you. It's welcome it's a, and you're welcome. It's a it's a pleasure to be here after not leaving. <laughs> right? God. Do you want to talk about the Jonathan Taylor situation, or did you just spend three hours talking about it, and you're just hours. like, come on, man? No, I, Derek, I don't see any way – I I could be wrong. I, I mean, we don't have any tangible evidence either way at this point, but it would surprise me if he plays. I, I, I just – you know, I know that they, he was welcomed back. It's I do think – I go back to the beginning of camp when this first kind of came about, and – Talking to Rick Venturi, 
And I said, do you think this is a distraction for the rest of the roster? And he's like, look, guys get it. Players get it, right? And and so I do think that players are able to put bygones aside much faster than our fans with situations like this. And they understand the business aspect of it. So I don't think it's going to be an interruption to the roster and to, and to the team and everything else. But I do think that just from a physical standpoint, there's it would stun me if he, I mean I'm not saying he's not a freak athlete, but it would stun me if he's able to just go out there and play. New coach, new quarterback. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. You know, to Greg Pulley pointed unpack. out. Greg Pulley asked me the question: Hey, is there any chance that they're only doing a walkthrough today just to get him familiar with the terminology and everything else, and let him? It, it would seem detrimental to do all of that for the sake of one guy. I think they're just banged up and they're coming off of short weeks. And But it's convenient that this happens to be the walkthrough day probably, True. right? At least for Taylor. I, I do wonder if, I don't want to say humbled. I don't, I don't think humbled is the right word. I, I wonder if reality has set in a little bit more for him um, from going through this because to me, I, I, and I think this is pretty obvious, Taylor and his agent, and they, they played a losing hand. They played a losing hand and they lost. Um, they had very little leverage to begin with. They probably evaporated whatever leverage that they had outside really of the Jacksonville game. I don't know how many people in the listening audience have even really thought about Jonathan Taylor during an actual Colts game this year. Did you think about him when they were winning in Houston? Well, like I said, Derek, a, a big aspect in terms of him coming back, there are two luxuries the Colts have in terms of the timetable of his return. And it's all in their hand, not his. The first being... They've played pretty well without – I mean, that, you know, listen, they've gotten good running back play, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sufficient. And their timeline is such that I don't think that they're, like, in some critical need of, like, we have to win now. You know what I mean? They have the flexibility of being patient. Jonathan Taylor really doesn't. The division is wide open, a lot more wide open than we thought it was going to be, at least if you take the first four games. I know we're talking about a small sample as an indication there, but I think what we've seen so far is why NFL running backs are being treated the way that they are and why it's such a fungible position. Zach Moss is not a dynamic player. He's not a home run hitter. He's not somebody that keeps you up at night thinking, oh my God, how are we going to stop Zach Moss? But Zach Moss is a guy that you can just throw in off the street that can give you 70%, 75% of what Jonathan Taylor gives you. So why break the bank when you can get that from somebody else? You you can't get 75% of Tyreek Hill. You can't get 75% of Justin Jefferson off the street. You can't get that. But you can at a position like running back that that isn't a game-changing type of position. So... It's funny how this whole thing has played out. The last time I was in here was when we had kind of turned up the heat to 15. It was early August and at the beginning of camp and you had the awkward meeting between Ursay and Taylor in the van. And then more the, than awkward. The, the, the trade demand goes public and then the agent's tweets go public and it was just kind of a mess. And now here we are and we're two months later and it's still kind of the same situation that it was then the, the best thing for Jonathan Taylor to do is to come back be healthy and be productive and then I think the Colts are going to extend him they might not extend him to the contract that he wants but I'm not sure that the contract he wants is steeped in reality how old were you the first time you heard the word fungible are you jealous because I've actually heard you bring up the word fungible on Quarian Company I know for a fact that you got that from me no I- 
Yeah, I don't know about that. I know you got. I know you. I know you're an English major, but you got fungible for me. That's something that you stole from me. No, because it's a great word, right? It makes you sound real smart. Well, but you, but in the how many how many radio programs have you and I done together? I don't know. Uh, eight and a half years. Are, are you counting the podcast? No, or are you not, just doing the radio? Years, nine years. Nine years. Well, right. I guess yeah, 2011 to 2020. Mm-hmm. That's right, nine years. So we did it every day, every weekday, not so counting nine, weekends. So nine times what? Three twenty. Three hundred. Yeah, three hundred twenty. Twenty-seven, twenty-eight, sure. eighty, right there, right? Cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've heard you use the word fungible more than any other word of the English language. Penultimate is another one that I pull out all the time because it makes you sound real smart. It means second to last. Everyone knows that. There's mm. no one that doesn't then why, know what then penultimate why don't, then is. Then why don't people say it more often? Because it sounds ridiculous and it's see, way see, too this wordy. this is what you do. And, and I'll give you, like, not everybody that's listening right now has any familiarity with, with now, what pen, our show used to be. Penultimate, Derek, is multisyllabic. Now, if you want to use that word, you'll impress people. Or what our show is still on Tuesday nights at 7.30 on ISC Sports Network. We still do it once a week because Jake misses me and he, he wants to see me once a week. Yeah, okay. But this is what happens where... Jake always trashes something that I do, and then I hear him, when he doesn't know that I'm <laughs> okay. listening, I hear him do the exact same thing that he was trashing. Because he's like, secretly, he's thinking to himself, that's cool, that's smart, I'm going to steal that, I want to do here's, that. Here's the better question. Why are you listening? Uh, it's the default setting on my car. My, my <laughs> wife listens to the fan. <laughs> okay. So when I'm driving my wife's car around, the fan's always on. Okay. She used to tell me she's like I, I just I like Jake and Kevin. They're, I got they're news funny. For and I'm like, uh, honey, you've never once said that about Jake and me. You <laughs> never once told me that. She's listening to B105.7 right now. I've got news for you, right? She likes the fan. She likes Squaring Company. Um you don't think he's going to play Sunday, right? No. No. I don't think that it's a 0% chance he plays Sunday, but I I think it's pretty unlikely that he plays on Sunday it'd be great to see him come back because suddenly Jake what's so weird about just how this season has unfolded is that I didn't expect to be in a mode where anything was a big game and Sunday feels like a big game like Tennessee at home feels like a big game because the division is still open and because the Colts have this weird losing streak now five games in a row against Tennessee a, a, a team that they're used to dominating that they dominated for the better part of 20 years um it's a big game so I would love to see Taylor come back, but I, I think he's a little bit too far behind the eight ball. I think it's asking a lot for somebody to come in after a walkthrough and two practices to hit the ground running. No pun intended. Now, do you think, you know, the division is interesting, Derek, because the AFC South looks, in the beginning of the season, it was like, well, Jacksonville's going to win the division and then everybody else is playing for draft picks. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, you know, is CJ Stroud decent? Is Tennessee not backpedaling as hard as we thought? And is Jacksonville not sprinting away yeah. as fast as we thought? So all of a sudden now, maybe you stay kind of in that thick of the race, but is that because of the division or because the Colts are ahead of schedule? The mistake everybody made was that because it was dominated for so long by Peyton and the Colts, we, we keep doing this, where we keep saying, okay, well, Andrew Luck is great, so now the Colts are going to dominate the division. Deshaun Watson is great, so now Houston's going to dominate the division. Derrick Henry is great, so now Tennessee is going to dominate. Trevor Lawrence is great, so now... Ja- it's a carousel, man. Look, look at the division standings the last 10 years. It's been... You know, duck, duck, goose, for lack of a better term, for the for the AFC South. This idea that Trevor Lawrence is just going to come in and dominate the division, it, it doesn't work like that. It, Peyton Manning, it worked like that. He's one of the five best players to ever do it. Tom Brady in the AFC East, it worked like that. He's one of the best to ever do it. 
I, I just don't think that we're going back to that era of NFL football again. I think this is what it is, where every season, seemingly, it's going to be kind of up for grabs, especially in a division that is, has been so mediocre. I mean, this has been the league's worst division for the better part, really, for all of the last decade. So I'm not surprised at all that it's now suddenly a coin. I, I still lean towards Jacksonville. If you're asking me to pick who's the best team in the division, it's still that. Jacksonville. But I'm at least not shut off to the idea. But I was never shut off to the idea that it was somebody else. Now, if it's Houston, then I'd be really surprised because I don't think that roster is really great. But C.J. Stroud has been excellent. And, and Anthony Richardson, I think Jake has shown that he's far more ready to play than a lot of people thought. Uh, hey, Jake, Schadenfreude. That's another word that Derek overuses. Totally. Love Schadenfreude. You use it way too much. Love Schadenfreude. This uh, on on Twitter as well, at Schultz975. Derek, Jake doesn't know what he's talking about. All these words are great. You're super smart and handsome. Who is that from? Uh, that's from Bethel. Appreciate her <laughs> listening to the show. Okay. Bethel mm-hmm. is listening to the show. How old is Bethel? Uh, I'm not sure here. This photo looks like it might have been taken in one of those studios in the late 80s. Okay. and, and- Yeah. And Bethel, she has she has gray hair in this photo. Bethel Bethel's a female. Yes, Bethel okay. Colts won on Twitter. <laughs> okay, tweeted that in. Sure, so I appreciate right. that. Go figure, right? Big big with that crowd. Big with that crowd as well. But I I appreciate all of the uh, the tweets and saying hey it's cool like you guys are back talking to each other again that's that's good. I, I'll just let people in on a secret. We talk all the time. I mean Jake calls me after basically every querying company. He gives me a recap of what's happening. So this is <laughs> uh-huh. this is not new for us. Uh, this from Chris. I absolutely love Query bringing up Derek's love life and how creepy he is with the ladies. Yeah, I really wish you wouldn't bring that up. Um, <laughs> that was a time from a long time ago. This from Miss Ladon. <laughs> One of our favorites. Ms. Ladon's the best. That I do know. I, I love Ms. Ladon. Jake and Derek at 3 p.m. What year is this? Miss y'all. Yeah, we miss Miss Ladon as well. Uh, hey, Jake, when does the bird talk start? That's a good question. I don't think we're going to do that. This is me technically filling in for JMV, so this is technically my show, and I lay out the parameters of the show, and no bird talk is what we're going to do on the show today. Dave Revson we're going to have on the show coming up here at 4 o'clock. Mutual friend of both Jake and I. Uh, he's from R-E-M? the Big Ten Network. I guess I could. I can ask James to play REM kind of going in. I forgot that Dave was a big REM fan. Jake Arthur is going to join us coming up later on this hour. We'll talk Colts with him. He's the co-host of Locked on Colts with Zach Hicks and Horseshoe Huddle, SI.com, Colts coverage. And then uh, your old counterpart, KB, Kevin Bowen's going to join us at 5 o'clock, and we'll talk more Colts as well with him. You can go home now. You don't have to stick around here. You don't have to stay for the whole first segment i know what i'm doing i'm a professional broadcaster you want one of these says so on my linkedin page did kevin leave those yes for you yes uh, I'm, I'm good okay. is it is it against company policy can i crack one of those while i'm on the air or how does that work how do you guys do it here <laughs> i'm not familiar with how we do it it's not carb day remember what Back at our old station, they used to basically they do like pay cuts and then they'd have a, like a margarita party to cheer everybody up. <laughs> and we had one sales guy who I loved to death, but he um, he really liked margarita party day. And he, he had it circled on the calendar for months. All company holiday parties or outings, period. And yeah, and those usually used to get a little bit messy. Guess where I'm going, Derek? The gym. Yeah, in a bit. Okay. Going yeah. tanning. I'm probably gonna do that you're, too. you're very no, much like the Jersey Shore guys, Jim Tan Laundry. You, you and I are emceeing an event together tomorrow night. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. You, you, you committed to. Wait, hold on, hold on, real quick. You have you have laundry in the two bedroom apartment where you live alone, right? 
I do you do. have laundry? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Jim Tan and laundry. So you don't you don't actually need to go to a laundromat. A lot of times I just drop the laundry off, let somebody else do it. What is the event that we are emceeing tomorrow? Uh, we are going to do a an MC event for a, a homeless charity. Let me make sure that I have the name of it correct. And this was one that actually you were going to do. And they brought me in because they weren't entirely sure if Jay could handle it by himself. Family Promise of Greater Indianapolis. Um, Mike, who runs it, is a dad at St. Thomas Aquinas where my son goes to school. Okay. And um, that'll be from, I think, 7 to 10 in Carmel tomorrow. So I went to the dry cleaners and got a jacket dry cleaned and all that. What, I very rarely have what to What is the attire? Nice. Yeah, it's like nice. You don't have to wear a tux, but you got to wear like a suit coat. and yeah. You got to wear a tie? Uh, people don't really wear ties anymore are in you 2023. Gonna, let me ask you. Ties since, aren't really a thing. Since we have to wear a coat, uh, are you going to wear deodorant? Because I notice you're pitting out over there, and it's not even hot in here. Are you nervous? Been a no, while? I'm not. I'm not. Am yeah. I pitting out a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think? I guess I am a little bit. <laughs> you think? It's like 87 degrees in October in Indiana. It's late summer. Well... That's what we have here. It's the be- that's, that's what you want. Do you have to do this? Like, I'm excited about doing this show and filling in for JMV. You're and, nervous. And you're telling, no, no one at home, I guess people on YouTube might know that I'm pitting out my shirt, but nobody else knows that. And you well, have they to do now. Okay. And then you bring up Katie Koletsky and like all this other stuff. Come on. Maybe man. that's what got you sweating. Give me a little bit of a break here. It is hot in the studio, is it not? It's no, like 80 it feels- degrees in here. James, is it warm in here? It's a little bit warm, but I'm yeah. used to John keeping it as cold as a uh, freezer in here. So yeah. yeah, that's what I like. I, I want it to be the what, what's that meat place that John Odin like meat Udon Meat Locker or yeah. whatever. Yeah, how do you how do you pronounce that place? I think it's Odin, isn't it? Odin. Yeah. O d o n or is it Odin? O d i n. Okay. And it's Southern Indiana. Yes. Everything with JMV, I just assume is, is Southern Indiana. Correct. Need to go down to the Meat Locker sometimes. <laughs> okay. Well, you carry on and have fun. All right. Thanks, pal. We'll see you later. That's Jay Query, Query and Company. You can hear him 12 to 3. Also with me on Query and Schultz. Could very well be our penultimate appearance together, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, you're fungible. I'm not. So, <laughs> okay. Sure, if you think so. But I wouldn't have any schadenfreude if you were to lose your spot when it comes to that. ISC Sports Network, Tuesday nights at 730 as well. Let's get to the headlines today. I already gave you the guest rundown. Um, as you know, banged up Colts skipping practice today, so they're going to have a walkthrough Jonathan Taylor's 21-day window has been opened, and if he is activated, he has to be activated at some point to the active roster in that 21-day window. Um, Titans game is one o'clock Sunday. He does not have to be activated until then, so he's got a, a couple of uh, got a couple of weeks to go here. Technically, the Colts have some time to play with before this situation gets resolved. IU and Kentucky. I, I was excited to see this. I, I'd kind of resigned myself to the fact that IU and Kentucky weren't going to do the annual series anymore ever again so when i saw the news break i i'd heard whispers that they were trying to bring it back and i saw the news break yesterday i was like oh cool like it's always neat to be surprised by something that you're not expecting um that rivalry will start again in 2025 after a 14-year hiatus we'll talk a little bit about that with dave revson when he joins us coming up later on we'll be football heavy with with dave but we'll fit in some basketball Christian talk there Hotford hit a shot that beat kentucky oh god really i, I don't even remember that wow verdell jones and we're still talking about that all these years later. Not sure how many people care, but the Major League Baseball playoffs are underway. Twins ended one of the weirdest streaks in sports, the 18-game playoff losing skid with a victory. Rangers beat the Rays. 
Arizona rallied to beat the Brewers. Phillies over Marlins. They were all game one winners. And then I guess in NFL news, if you're still paying attention to the Aaron Rodgers situation, that's been the best thing about his injury is that you haven't really had to pay attention to Aaron Rodgers. He's still insisting that he's going to come back in January, but um, that would require him having a team to come back to. That would require the Jets making the playoffs, which I don't think feels extremely likely even coming off one of Zach Wilson's best games because I just I don't view Zach Wilson as being anything to be totally honest with you I'm, I'm not a I'm not on board the Zach Wilson train three big Colts things I'm focusing on this week and moving forward obviously it starts with the Jonathan Taylor situation and we mentioned the 21 day clock being uh, him being activated a 53 man roster he's not addressed reporters since June so we know what his agent has said, and we've seen Taylor, for lack of a better term, pouting at camp with the hood up and just kind of brooding in the corner. We've, we've seen that. So the body language has given us an idea of where Taylor stands. His Twitter likes have given us an idea of where Taylor stands, but we haven't have not actually heard from the man himself. We haven't. Um He's not been in front of a microphone. He's not been required to be in front of a microphone. If he's activated, he'll have to be made available to the media. So that'll change. So as excited as I am, and as much as I'm anticipating Jonathan Taylor getting back on the field, I I also want to hear what he has to say. I want to hear what he thinks about how this situation has played out. And if he's come off the trade demand, if things have been patched up, if he's happy, mad, sad, I want to know. And I think everybody in Indianapolis wants to know kind of where this whole thing stands. Because as much as Taylor is probably in a situation where he's going to have to play regardless of whether he likes it or not because he doesn't want to get fined, I would rather him, even if he's lying to us publicly, (laughs) tell everybody that he's in good spirits and that he's in a good, positive mindset and that things are at least tolerable between the two sides you know you go through sometimes like I have a couple of friends that are going through divorces and and some of them have gotten kind of nasty and they take pot shots at each other and it's sad right It, it sucks that those things go on and then there are others where they're almost like still really good friends and they're great and they're co parenting and everything seems hunky dory they just don't want to be together anymore and that that's great too and then there are some others that are just kind of completely neutral where they just sort of tolerate each other. It is what it is. Maybe there are some hard feelings, but they don't let those hard feelings boil boil over, at least not in public. And everything is sort of kind of okay. I'll settle for that with Jonathan Taylor and the Colts situation. I'll settle for the middle ground. I don't need things to be hunky-dory and for them to be great co-parents and all of that. I, I just need things to be cordial. That's all I want. And hopefully that's the case. Second thing I'm keeping my eye on, this Shaq Leonard situation, sometimes we're put in a position where we have to buy what the team and what players are selling us. And this may be true. You know, Shaq Leonard might just not be ready to play fully healthy. I, I think you can tell that he's not the same player. But the insinuation is, is that Leonard eventually is going to be the same player again. And from everything that we've seen so far this season, it it just doesn't look like that's in the cards for him. 
But from everything his coaches and teammates have said, it sounds like they're it's, to me. It sounds like they're protecting him, which is understandable. Um, they're not going to go on there and trash him. But he played forty five percent of the snaps in Sunday's loss to the Rams. Those snaps weren't good snaps. Losing players in coverage. His contract goes all the way through twenty twenty six. But the Colts have an out this offseason where if he's released, he'd only count for eight million in dead cap, and you'd save the remaining forty six point seven. So the guarantees you're on the hook for, it's guaranteed, but the rest of it you wouldn't be. We're not there yet. It's October. It's the first week in October. This is not something that needs to be resolved now, but it's in the back of my mind, and it's something that I'm thinking about this season and moving forward for the Colts is this Shaq Leonard situation because if he doesn't look like the player that he's going to be, you you can't possibly justify paying him what you're paying him to be out there to be 50% of what he used to be, 50% of the maniac. And it sucks, and I I feel for him, but it's a business. That's life. And when you have other guys at that position in Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed who are ascending right now, and he's the guy that you're kind of covering for, um, that's a tough pill to swallow. It is. And the other thing, and we'll talk about this coming up here in a couple of minutes with Jake Arthur, they're just so weak at corner right now. You know, Dallas Flowers isn't an all-pro, but Dallas Flowers, I thought, played pretty well the first couple of games, mostly because you didn't notice him. And generally speaking, when you don't notice somebody, that's good. But now they're going to have to choose between Daryl Baker Jr., who was benched. He was so bad against Houston in Week 2. And then Jalen Jones, who's a rookie, who I know they like and had a great camp, but still, he's he's not proven. You just don't know. And God forbid there's another injury because you don't have anything else behind them. Tony Brown's the only other guy behind them, and he's primarily used in special teams. And you have Kenny Moore and Juju Brents, who you need to start. So the Colts are just down in a bad way. Uh, the discussion about this roster going into the season, I, I, I disagreed with a lot of the national takes and even some takes here in Indy that this was like a bottom five NFL roster. I don't think that. But clearly this is a roster that has big holes and is very thin in certain areas, and corner is one of them. And I I think if there's one big sin for the Chris Boward era, it's trying to get cute and get away with not addressing certain things. We saw it last year with Danny Pinter and and the right guard spot. They just they just chose to roll with it. And and Matt Pryor, they're like, ah, you know what? We're good. And then like the first minute of the season, you're like, oh, my God, they are not good at this spot. And I'm worried that they're about to get there at cornerback, too. I'm worried that they're heading there. Because if Buckner isn't is not fully healthy, if the pass rush doesn't really get cooking, we know this front seven is good, but if this front seven doesn't maintain a good to great level of play, then I think that entire secondary ends up getting exposed. And that'll be a big problem. 239-1070. We'll take a couple of calls uh, coming up a little bit later on in the show, uh, but next we'll talk more Colts. Jake Arthur, he's got glasses, he's got a beard, he's handsome. Sound familiar? He's going to join me when we come back. It's the Ride with JMV. Derek Schultz filling in 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich, a Dr. Pepper, make it fast. I'm in a damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Thanks to James Adams running the controls today. No days off for James, even when JMV is out. Great guy to connect with and really appreciate him producing for me in the rare occasions when I get to fill in here for John. I'm Derek Schultz, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Thanks so much for joining us. I just said hello to everybody in the uh, the lounge on YouTube. Appreciate you guys in there. Um, Griff and um, a couple of other people. Jonah, I, I know back from the old radio days, and, and then some other people that I don't recognize too. And um, appreciate all you guys for the kind words and for tweeting tuning in listening thanks so much it's nice it's nice to pop up back on the bike every once in a while and and pedal a little bit our next guest uh is pedaling a lot here lately when it comes to all of the things that he's involved with you know him as the co-host of locked on colts with zach hicks he's also the deputy editor of horseshoe huddle at si.com he's at every colts game he's at all the practices a handsome bearded glasses fellow just like me so we brought on jake jake arthur here on the guest line who joins us on the ride with jmv 93.5 and 107.5 the fan um, now that I'm not full, not in it full time anymore, I'm, I'm glad that you've been able to kind of fill that void, Jake, of handsome glasses, bearded guy on the Colts beat, talking Colts football in Indy. So thanks so much for taking that torch and, and really advancing it. Oh, well, you're the stud, man. That's that's big <laughs> shoes to fill. I had, someone had to do it. You just want to do 15 minutes on Jonathan Taylor here or what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I've talked about Jonathan Taylor enough where I can I can kind of carry some weight. You know, I've talked a lot about him over the last few months. <laughs> Obviously, uh, going to have some catching up to do here. And, and Jake and I kind of talked about this. Uh, Jake Query and I talked about this at the very beginning of the show about his potential to play Sunday. Um, is there any reason to believe if he's healthy and practices Thursday, Friday, and then even next week? I, I'm not expecting him to play on Sunday, Jake. I'm not sure if you are. But is there any reason to believe that maybe next week uh, shouldn't be kind of the, the time where you could throw Jonathan Taylor back in there, even with a new quarterback, a new coordinator, new coach. Yeah, I'm kind of where you are. I'm not really expecting him this week. There is an outside chance. And for even Shane Steichen, who keeps things pretty close to the chest, for him to leave it open, that kind of says a lot. Uh, but I do think they would probably be a lot more comfortable rolling him out next week. Um, there, there's just some things, you know, there, he's got to get back in football shape. Uh, he, he's been in the system. He's been learning things, you know, Shane Steichen's offense for months now, but you got to put it to literally put it to use on the field. He hasn't had to do that yet. Uh, so there's that stuff. There's kind of learning Anthony Richardson's tendencies. There's just a lot of like little small details where if he comes out in practice and looks awesome, like he looks like Jonathan Taylor that we all know. Sure. Maybe they put him out there this Sunday in a small package of plays. 
Uh, but I, I, I feel like you do. I'd probably target more so next week. From what you've heard, I guess, lately, and it, it's been a little bit all quiet on the Western front, at least relationship-wise. Remember, like, two months ago, it was seemingly every hour there was a new tweet from his agent or, you know, he's liking something on Twitter or Ursay saying something, and there was this little bit of a, like, a two-week period of, of, a, of a back and forth. And now that that's quieted down, do you know, Jake, is this relationship salvageable is is an extension that both parties would find agreeable is that still feasible or or do we have to hear that from jt himself when he's activated and made available to the media yeah i think we have to hear that from him just because we i I mean there's been some reports that seem pretty solid uh you know over the last couple months but for the most part the only person who's going to be able to give solid answers to these things is him and he's been quiet this whole time. You know, there, there's just a lot of questions that have to be answered that only he can answer. Um, now, from what everyone else is saying on the outside, at least from the Colts, they really hope things are, you know, they, that they can salvage this. Jim Ursay said, you know, I'm, I'm counting on Chris Ballard to calm the waters. And then when Chris Ballard last spoke to us, it, it sounded the whole thing was like a very pro-Jonathan Taylor press conference. And it really sounded like an olive branch to me. Uh, so I, I think the Colts are really, really hopeful that they can do this. And I think I think there's just a misunderstanding maybe nationally about things. I don't think the Colts ever have not wanted to have, you know, Jonathan Taylor on the team or extend him. I just think they want him to reprove it first. You know, he's got to be healthy and he's got to show that he fits in well to this offense, which a player like him fits into any offense. But, I mean, last time we saw him, he had the banged-up ankle. He had to have it cleaned up, and then it took forever for it to heal. Uh, so I, I think they would be more than willing to kind of come to the negotiation table once they see that he's Jonathan Taylor again. Uh, I mean, on his part, that's got to be irritating and probably, you know, it's hard to probably show that type of patience. But I've got to imagine there's been so much talk behind the scenes of trying to come to some sort of understanding of where each side is. Yeah, and and it's one of those situations where even though I think most people have sided with the Colts because I think they have a defensible outlook, and and you laid some of that out there, Jake, that they want to see him come back and be healthy and be the old Jonathan Taylor before they extend him also a new regime. I mean, they talked about that, the fact that they, outside of the long snapper, they weren't handing out a bunch of extensions this offseason. But you can also understand it from Taylor's side of things where he's saying, what do you mean I have to wait? Quentin Nelson didn't have to wait, and Kenny Moore didn't have to wait, and you know all the Shaq Leonard didn't have to wait. All these other guys that you've had been in the same portion of their contract have have gotten those lucrative extensions at that time. It it just it does bother me that nationally they've just I I mean, really, like people have missed the boat, I feel like, on this with the Colts trade demands and laughing off the fact that they wanted a first rounder. And and you're saying to yourself, guys, don't you know that this means that they don't want to trade him? Right. And it, it just feels like what's obvious to us here in Indianapolis doesn't seem so obvious to the people nationally. Yeah, and that, that's absolutely right. And, you know, the the trade demands are high because of how they view him. Sure, they they view prime Jonathan Taylor that way, and they, they think he's still there, but he's got to prove it, essentially. You know, people are like, they're crazy for asking for Jalen Waddle or um, or Christian Watson up in Green Bay. And in my mind, I'm, I'm like, is it really that crazy to think that prime Jonathan Taylor isn't, 
at least equal to prime Jalen Waddle because that's how the Colts see it. And I, I mean, again, they do value him. It's just they don't want to pay out that money right now. And you know, they have paid guys like Nelson and and Braden Smith and Grover Stewart and everything, but it and Shaquille Leonard. But it feels like the only really solid returns on investment they've got on those guys was. Braden Smith continued to get better and Grover Stewart continued to get better. But, you know, Shaquille Leonard has unfortunately been banged up and Quentin Nelson is salvaging things now, but he went through a couple rough seasons with injuries as well. So they're kind of learning from their own, I'm not going to say mistakes because those guys definitely deserve new deals, but they're kind of learning from things they've done in the past. We're talking with Jake Arthur. He's the deputy editor of Horseshoe Huddle at SI.com, co-host of Locked on Colts. It's the ride with JMV, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Let's talk about some of the guys that, that are here and are playing. Um, I, I thought this performance really got overshadowed, and maybe it would have been less overshadowed if, if the Colts had actually won the game. But how about Dio on, on Sunday? Um, is this going to be the year that he makes the leap? Because I, I think we saw it early before he ended up dealing with the concussion stuff, and hopefully he gets back on track with Quiddy Pay in, in what he was producing through the first three games but this is a big year for for Dio as well I feel like yeah totally agree so last year with all the injuries you know Quiddy Pei got banged up late uh Yanni Kangakwe was kind of here and there Dio was getting more and more playing time and he was productive but it seemed like a product of him hustling and he had a high motor and he was just kind of in the right place at the right time now it's it seems very uh intentional like it's a product of the you know the moves he's putting on offensive tackles and it, it looks more manufactured like it would from a really good player uh, if if that makes sense so it, it seems like his all around game is starting to come together because he was I don't want to say a project but he had a lot of things to work on when he came into the league plus he had the Achilles so I think we're seeing you know a healthy player a few years in now and he's learning how to attack blockers. You know, because there's, there's just ways that you have to counter these guys. There's so many intricacies in, in uh, defensive versus offensive line play, and I think he's starting to get a lot of that down. Same thing with Quiddy Pay. Uh, Pay is just probably a little ahead of the curve. Jake Arthur joins us. Uh, also, defensively, how concerned are you? You know, speaking of things that got overshadowed, um, because he's not a big name and because he's not an all-pro looking, you know, Dallas Flowers is a nice player. He's a nice story as well. But him going down with the Achilles injury just because the Colts are so thin at that spot, uh, how concerned are you about corner early in this season? Because, you know, God forbid you've got another injury, but even at this point you're, you're having to throw Jalen Jones or, or Daryl Baker Jr. out there. Yeah, that that one's tough. Um, not again, not like you mentioned, not because he's like a Pro Bowl level player, but he has proven that he could play at a starting level, and he's got the right mentality that you want in a cornerback. Like he can give up a big play, but then he'll keep fighting and, and attacking the ball through the air. The very next play, like he's, I, I call him a, a cocky cornerback. You know, they, they've they've kind of got to be wired that way. They've got to be really really confident, and that was his mentality. And so you're you're down a quality player, and that was that, somehow he was one of your more experienced guys, and this was only his second year, and he barely played defense last year. Uh, so you got Juju Brents and Jalen Jones, who are probably your your outside starters, who are both rookies. Kenny Moore in the slot, you know who he is. Uh, but Daryl Baker Jr. You now he got he got made a healthy scratch two weeks in a row because of how much he struggled. So when you look by, beyond that, you have Tony Brown, who's been primarily a special teamer throughout his career, but has also been mostly a slot defender. 
So if you need someone to back up on the outside, he may not be the best fit for that. Uh, so beyond that, you're you're looking at a couple practice squad guys. So just in general, you you need quality proven bodies basically at the position. Last thing here, Jake, if I were to have handed you a sheet of paper, I guess, with everything that the Colts had done through the first quarter of the season here at 2-2, two and two, and I, I guess I would have allowed you to watch all the games. I can't hand you a sheet of paper because 11 of 25 doesn't do Anthony Richardson's game on Sunday justice. I, th- I think we would agree. Are, are yeah. they ahead of where you thought they were going to be, right where they thought they were going to be, behind where you thought they were going to be going into the season? I think they're they're pretty much on track. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't think they'd really be a playoff team this year, and I didn't think they'd be like a a cellar dweller like a lot of people did nationally. I thought they would be competitive pretty much every week, probably finish around like seven or eight wins. And I I feel like they're outperforming that a little bit right now because how the AFC South is stacked, like. They, they legitimately look like they have a shot at the division because none of these teams really looks like dynamite, you know? Um, so if you say they're right down the middle, they're leaning a little more towards ahead of schedule, I would think, uh, because Anthony Richardson, your rookie quarterback who people were like, eh, I don't know if he'll be able to like lead them right away. Their offense only looks explosive if he's out there. Uh, so that's part of it. You know, the offensive line has been pretty pretty steady when healthy. Uh, so there, and, and the defensive line also has been great. You know, save for some moments against the Rams. Uh, there's just really, really critical areas that are performing well, and that is often the biggest difference between winning and losing. So I think the Colts, luckily for them, are really, really good in some key areas. Yeah, and I, I agree with you about the seller dweller comment. I was surprised how many people nationally thought this was going to be like a, a three-win team, and I thought they had more talent than that. In fact, last year was a bad team, and they probably should have been seven and ten. You know, if every single yeah. thing didn't go wrong for them last year, they probably should have been seven and ten. So it's it's not that this roster is devoid of talent. It's just that you've got areas like you have a corner where they're just very th- thin, or they they've just got nothing there, and um, and maybe that's a problem going forward. We'll have to see. At Jake Arthur NFL on X. Twitter, Locked On Colts podcast, all major platforms, si.com slash NFL slash Colts for Horseshoe Huddle. Keep up the good work, my man. Like I said, keep carrying that torch over there at West 56th Street for me. All right. Appreciate you, <laughs> handsome devil. <laughs> That's Jake Arthur. He and Zach do a fantastic job on Locked On Colts. I'm a, a regular listener, and Zach is great for the uh, the film breakdowns are, are pretty incredible. Um, what he can do and explain things in layman's terms. It's a smart show. Um, they're not afraid to be critical when they have to be. So if you're not already, if that, if that's not already in your podcast rotation, I would suggest strongly putting Locked On Colts in your podcast rotation as well. You know, back in my day, I'm going to sound like the old man, but back in my day in the radio days, you know, it was just basically it was John shows, Jake and me. Um, yeah. Dan back then on the show, um, Joe, um, Michael Grady was here and, and the podcasting thing was just kind of, becoming uh, a, a thing i guess this would been like the middle like teens like 2013 14 15 like around there and now um you know you to borrow a query term you swing a dead cat and you hit like 15 podcasts but there are a lot of really good ones out there for colts for pacers iu purdue the, the whole deal and i've i've become audiobooks too is a big thing for me like i, I went down the the audiobooks rabbit hole during covid my wife got me into audiobooks 
and um and that's been a big but but that's not sports that's usually like human tragedy and like civil war and (laughs) i listen to like really dark stuff when it comes to audiobooks so i need my podcast to be like light and stuff that doesn't matter like if the pacers are going to make the playoffs and stuff like that like i need to take a deep breath and just chill a little bit and not just have it be all dark and death and awfulness we come back on the show. We'll take a couple of calls. Top of the hour, Dave Revson, Big Ten Network. It'll it'll be one of our few departures probably from the Colts today. We'll talk a little Big Ten football, IU Purdue, and uh, and some hoop as well. We still got plenty to get to. Still an hour number one. Riding right along on the ride with JMV. 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The Ride with JMV. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. My thanks again to Jake Arthur for joining us on the show. Top of the hour, so about 10 minutes from now, Dave Refs and Big Ten Network will be on. We have an exciting giveaway. Colts pregame tailgate, bullseye event group, division game, Colts-Titans, Great game, great spread, great folks. If you are caller number, what are we doing, James? Nine? Caller number nine. Caller number nine. 239-1070. You and a guest are going to the Colts pregame tailgate bullseye event group. Going to be a lot of fun, as it always is, downtown before the game. And it should be a great atmosphere as well at Lucas Oil Stadium. I'm assuming, even though it's going to be much cooler, that the roof is once again going to be closed. Because why would you open it at this point? You've already closed it twice. Um, this is the only thing I'm going to say on it, and I always give it like every single season I, I take 10 seconds to make a roof mention. Fans in Indianapolis like indoor football. They were used to indoor football. You should have built a permanent indoor football stadium. And rant. Done. I don't like indoor football. I prefer outdoor football. People in Indianapolis, the taxpayers who funded that stadium, largely prefer indoor football. Should have been a permanent indoor football stadium. The retractable roof is the biggest waste of money ever. Cool. Done. That's all that I needed to say. 239-1070. Let's fit in a couple of phone calls before we get to uh, Dave Revson coming up here at 4 o'clock. I know he has been very patient with us, but uh, appreciate Jonah coming on the show here at 239-1070. Hi, Jonah. Hey, Derek, how are you doing? I'm good, man. You psyched up for the Braves in the, in the postseason or what? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> looking like it's going to be the Phillies, but uh, you, you never know. The Marlins have done some stranger things, but at this point I'm expecting the Phillies and hopefully we get a redemption. But this is Indianapolis, so who cares? <laughs> no, I, I hear you, but I know you're a big Braves guy, so I, I wanted yeah. to mention it. 
and I'm actually visiting Indianapolis right now, and I thought I was getting away from the Arizona heat. Holy crud, it's it's hot up here, too. Yeah, we always do this. Like, the first week, I, I, I'm so over it at this point. Like, I'm, I'm ready for hoodie weather. Uh, my wife loves it, but I, I can't stand it when it's like 87 degrees in October. It drives me nuts. I, I like the heat, but at the same time, we just had a brutal summer, so I was kind of hoping to come back to cool. Uh, I mean, it's cooler, but it's still warmer than I expected it to be. But I digress. Uh, I'm going to the game this Sunday. First time I'm going to a Colts game in Indianapolis in about eight years. I'm I'm oh, super wow. excited to go. Yeah, um, it should be the, a great game. Yeah, well, and I'm going to say for week five and week six, these are extremely important games that could really have a lot of uh, – in the division standings, that could have a lot of credence there. Because if you somehow come out with both these games, you have a, a, a grip hold in the division. And I love what I see from this Colts team. I'm not like the national people that thought this was going to be a three-one team, though. I can understand why because you got a new coach, rookie quarterback that was very raw out of college. But you know, for, through the first four games, I'm loving what I see from the Colts team. They, they've been competitive in every game, and as long as I see that. And if you make the playoffs, that's the icing on the cake. But this year, I just want to see some growth from a very young team with a rookie quarterback. And so far, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, amen amen to all that. I mean, to me, Jonah, the season, more than wins and losses, season's about vibes. You know what I mean? Do they they look good? Are they going somewhere? Because for so long, and thanks for the call, buddy. Welcome to town. Glad to hear from you. Um, For so long, the Colts have been – last year is an exception, right? The the bottom fell out last year. But for so long, the Colts have just been sitting there spinning their wheels. And and they're not not going backward. They're just not going forward. And they're just – you know, think about those late Andrew Luck teams. Remember like the 15-16 team? They were 8-8. And and it's like, okay. Those are two just very blah seasons and blah teams. And then 2019 with Brissett, you go 7-9, blah. 2020 was probably the exception where 11 and 5 you make the playoffs they should have won that game in Buffalo. That was a good team. That was a fun season. 2021 they were 9 and 8. Bleh. Bottom fell out at the end of the year. You know, you just had a lot of that. Um I don't want to see that anymore. I, I want to see direction. And it looks like these Colts are at least going forward here and, and moving in the right direction. But it's interesting when you use the word important. I I was not expecting, even though I was a little more bullish on the Colts than some people, I was not expecting we would use the word important game at any point this season. And that's exactly what we're going to end up doing here. This is an important game with the division, uh, you know, seemingly up for grabs. 239-1070. We'll have some more time for calls coming up in the 4 o'clock hour and get back into the Colts conversation. But next, longtime friend and longtime host on Big Ten Network, Dave Revson, is going to join us. We'll talk Purdue, IU, and a brief college football look when we return. It's 93.5-1075, The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. 
The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Please, uh, three. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Welcome back. It's The Ride with JMV. 93.5, 107.5. The Fan. I'm Derek Schultz filling in and really excited to talk to our next guest, You know him as the face, the voice, the everything of the Big Ten Network, which recently celebrated its 16th anniversary. Can you believe that? 16 years for BTN. He is Dave Revson. And Dave, I've been off the air for a while, as you know, but coming back, it was important for me to have something that I was familiar with. So I'm originally from Connecticut, so when when I would come back home from IU – my mom would make this like mac and cheese casserole thing and it had like like breaded chicken and like all kinds of stuff in there it was it was my comfort food so dave revson is like my radio comfort food if that makes any sense at all (laughs) i am really honored to fill that role in your life the role of macaroni and cheese casserole i think it was good. I'm perfect for that. Yeah. It was good, just yeah. like you are at uh, at your job. Um, <laughs> let's start locally here because, uh, you know, the Ryan Walters era, I know, got off to a little bit of a rocky start. But I, I think we knew, and, and I think he knew, what he'd be signing up for with that non-league schedule. You got Power 5 teams and a, and a good Fresno team who they barely lost to. But how important was that win over Illinois, not only with it being a rivalry game, but just to make sure this thing didn't get too far off the rails there in Season 1 in West Lafayette? I think it was really big, Derek, and I think where it was particularly big was not just that they won, but how convincingly they won. Yeah. Because you know, Illinois is, at least on paper, a pretty good team. I don't really know what's going on with them, and, and maybe we talk a little bit more about them later. They've been the biggest disappointment to me, I guess, so far in the Big Ten. But I looked at that game as a toss-up game going into it, and for Purdue not just to win, but to win 44-19, to to pull away in the second half, to do it with Ryan Walters calling the defense for the first time this year, because the defense, when you hire Ryan Walters, you think, well, the defense is going to be pretty good. And it really hadn't been. Mm-hmm. They, they had struggled on that side of the ball. And then they had struggled a lot with turnovers. And I just thought the way they played in that game, both sides of the ball, they seem to have found a run game. All that stuff really bodes well. I, I think it's really encouraging. They got a fascinating game. At Iowa, the Hawkeyes are really banged up. So maybe you get a little something going here. But but I feel very differently about Purdue than I did a week ago. It's interesting because I think a lot of teams and programs do this where the coach after even a successful coach like Jeff Brom was successful there seems to always be sort of the opposite, you know, and not just the fact that Jeff was an offensive guy and then Ryan comes in as a defensive guy. But I think even vibes wise, even though Jeff Brom was more new age in his offensive thinking, I think a lot of what he did was kind of old school and Ryan Walters is kind of the new, you know, 37 years old, um, I think sort of the new kid on the block if you will, but since I haven't had the chance to ask you since he was hired, what were your initial impressions of Walters and just his fit overall with that program? Well, I just think it was really interesting that they went with a defensive coach because as everyone who's listening here knows, that's not something Purdue does. I mean, the last guy they hired with a defensive background was Leon Burtnett in 1981. All, All the rest of them subsequent to that have been offensive coaches So I think initially when I heard his name tossed around at Purdue, I was a little surprised by it. But then the fact that he went out and hired Graham Harrell and said we're going to run an air raid attack and had the ability to go into the portal and get a quarterback as good as Hudson Card, 
I think that that, to me, was kind of, hey, you've, you've got the best of both worlds going here. You've, you're going to be really good on defense, and now you've hired a guy who understands, like, where the bread has been buttered historically at this program, that it is traditionally a program where people want to see you score points and it's cradle quarterbacks and all that. So I, I think it's a, a win-win. I certainly liked it a lot. I mean, he did an amazing job at, at Illinois, as, as you're well aware, So and, and was great to deal with and all that kind of stuff. Um, I would not have said Purdue was the place I would have seen him go, but the, the fact that he did it kind of in the way that he's done it, I think speaks to he understands the place, and, and I think it's going to prove to be a really good fit. I think they were surprised too, Dave, honestly. I, I think they kind of gave him an interview because they were like, well, here's a young kind of hotshot coordinator, but we don't really know much about him. He's not high on their list. And then they, they talked to him, and I don't know if it was just the vibes or the confidence or what, but I, I think that's when Mike Babinski and company were kind of blown away. Yeah, I mean, that that seems to jibe uh, with some of the stuff that I've heard. And he's a tough guy not to be impressed by, right? He's just – he does have a really cool vibe about him. Players really relate to him. I mean, even just like a tire on the sidelines, right? I mean, he's in a T-shirt. Uh, I, I just – it's just different. And this is kind of where it's going, I think, in college football. You know, that it is about – coaches and players can relate to because if you don't want to play for a guy, you have a very easy way to get out of it. It's never been easier. And so I do think it has to be someone who appeals to players and and who also is going to win. And and I really do think Ryan Walters will win. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm not sure this is exactly where they saw it going, but it makes a ton of sense. And, and I, again, I feel great about it after last week and, and, and just really interested to see what happens here going forward because the Big Ten West really is wide open. I mean, they've got a, they've got a difficult schedule, as you know, because they've played both Michigan and Ohio State. I, I think it would be pretty shocking if they were the team that emerged from the West. But they're going to have, I think, good head-to-head success against the other teams in the division. Dave Rebson of the Big Ten Network is our guest here on the ride with JMV, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. I would have – let me preface by saying this when we get to Indiana, Dave. I, I would have been perfectly okay if Indiana would have just gone to College Park and lost like 38 to 28. I, I would have been perfectly fine with that. You know, I, I wouldn't have had a problem with that. That was not a game that I was expecting them to win. I think we know that the Terps are, are really good offensively, and I don't know, maybe this is going to be a, a special season for them. I, I still think that's yet to be determined, but – Indiana getting blown off the field by Maryland a week after surviving a, a terrible Mac team in Akron just it, it just doesn't seem to bode well to me. Um, this buy probably comes at a good time, but uh, how down are you right now on the state of things down in Bloomington? It is tough. I, I they have not played well here at all these last couple of weeks, and it's weird because that second half against Louisville thought, wow, okay, you know yeah. the defense completely shut him down in the second half and and so that was really positive and there's a you can look at that and say wow they've gotten better here defensively Uh, they were so putrid last year on that side of the ball and okay so maybe this is work particularly bringing in Macarary and then offensively I mean obviously the, the goal line play they would love to have back but it did feel like there were some signs of life and maybe you found a quarterback here in David Jackson and then it's just gone sideways here these last two weeks. And I, it'll be interesting to see coming off of the bye what this looks like offensively. Obviously, they fired Walt Bell and, and brought in Ron Carey. And so does that make a difference? Do you still have David Jackson as your quarterback? Do you go back to Soresby? But, yeah, I think it's fair with a coach who's in his seventh season after the two really good years they had back-to-back. Their expectations have been higher here these last few years for IU 
and it's it, it doesn't appear to be based on what we've seen these last couple of weeks that it's dramatically better. Now, I will say, like the defense played great against Ohio State. They looked good against Indiana State. Obviously, Indiana State isn't very good. But, I, I mean, if you're a glasses-half-full person, you could certainly look at those first couple weeks and then the back half of that Louisville game, and you could see some progress. But you'd have to squint pretty hard to see it these last couple of weeks. So we'll see what the offense looks like. We'll see whether they can solve that issue and whether Rod Carey helps. But but I get it if IU fans are discouraged, no doubt. And yeah, get, going to the big house is the, yeah. the first game there. Uh, that's not exactly a very friendly way to, to reboot it. And, and two of the first three are – or at Michigan and at Penn State. So it's it's a challenge, no doubt. And my bar's not very high, and, and this is a league that, you know, outside of Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan and th- that are always up, you have a lot of programs that have had down cycles, even successful ones. We saw it with Michigan State and, and Mark D'Antonio. We saw it with uh, Kirk Ferentz in Iowa, um, Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald. You know, it seemed like every other year they were in, in a down cycle and then immediately an up cycle. What worries me and the big red flag to me, Dave, is that if, if this ultimately is going to end up being like a two and ten or, or three and nine year. I mean, we're three years removed now from Penix and the magic of, of twenty twenty. That that's a pretty prolonged down cycle. Um, and 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 they're struggling. But the thing is, is that it, it's not that they're even competitive in the games that they're losing, and then they're destroying the bad teams. They're barely surviving the bad teams like Western Kentucky and Akron, and then getting destroyed by the, the better teams. And and it's just a big big red flag to me. It's a fair criticism. I mean, I, I get it. Uh, I Look, anyone who's been around Tom Allen, it's impossible not to like him. He has infectious enthusiasm. He really wants this job, and, you know, it's a, it feels like a great fit for him. But, yeah, I mean, again, I, I hear you. Like, I think it's fair to look back on 2019 and 2020 and kind of say, what was that about? when they just haven't been able to, to follow it up. And, and it's fair to look at Michael Penix and the fact that this guy might be the Heisman front runner and, and think to have let that guy get away. I, I mean, but that's just kind of what college football is now. And it's rough. I mean, again, I, I like him a lot. I really want this to work out. And I, I guess we'll see. I mean, this firing of, of Walt Bell and going with Rod Carey. I mean, that's a, a move that basically says he understands like they got to win now and and that this is a really important juncture for him. So let's see. I mean, there have been a few signs here and there, you know, certainly there were, there were moments with Jackson. I, I do wonder had Dexter Williams not got hurt last year. I think he gave them a little bit different dimension and, and it sounds like there's a possibility he comes back during the course of this year. I think he's a difficult guy to defend, So I'm not ready to give up on them, but I definitely get it with IU fans. I mean, I understand this feeling of kind of this feels headed in the wrong direction. We're joined by Dave Resson of the Big Ten Network. When we last spoke regularly, it was back when Jim Harbaugh was at Michigan, but they would do this where they would start off really hot and they'd beat a bunch of teams that they were better than, and then we'd be like, well, well, let's wait. Let's wait till we get to Penn State. Let's wait till we get to Ohio State or even Michigan State in that era, and, and Michigan would end up ultimately stubbing their toe. They're past that now. <laughs> you know, It feels like they've really broke through making the playoff the last couple of years. Um, right now, pound for pound, just how they look. And, and I get it. I, and I, I get that people will question the schedule so far, but they're destroying people. Are, are they the best team in the country right now, in your opinion? Uh, it's interesting. I just had this conversation with Joel Klatt. We were recording something with him for tomorrow's show, and I was asking him the same question. He asked Michigan number one. 
in his rankings. And I was kind of asking him why, and, and he was saying, you know, there's an air of inevitability to what they do, and he saw that more so than Texas and Georgia. I, I think Texas has a chance to stake that claim this week. I mean, if they beat Oklahoma and beat them pretty soundly, sure. I think that might move them up to that number one spot, just given the quality of that win at Alabama as well. But you're right. I mean, Michigan is just killing people. They're 5-0. and All five of the wins are by at least 24 points. It's the first time they've done that since 04. And, yes, that is 19-04. So, I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen a Michigan team come out of the gate as dominant as this. But I also agree with what you're saying, Derek, which is like, you know, they haven't played great teams yet. I think Rutgers is pretty good. I mean, I think Rutgers is going to be a bowl team Nebraska, probably not. I mean, they would need to improve significantly. And then the non-conference schedule was just not competitive at all. So, and and then the other thing they have going for them is their schedule. Like, unlike Ohio State, like, you look at Ohio State's schedule and they're like, man, there are some challenging games coming up here in in the next few weeks. That is really not the case with Michigan. I mean, it's – Again, Minnesota, you know, I don't think Minnesota's great. They've got IU. They go to Michigan State. We know the problems they're having. Home against Purdue, like, it's a long time until they've got tough games. You know, two of their last three are at Penn State, at Maryland, Ohio State. Like, it may be that long until they play someone. It probably is going to be that long until they play someone who's nationally ranked. So, I I happen to think they're really good, but I could understand people saying, I want to see how they fare against Penn State and Ohio State, maybe to a lesser extent Maryland, before I draw a conclusion on them. Wanted to leave you with a, a hoops question. The IU-Kentucky series is coming back to life. That news just broke yesterday. Yeah. And I, I know it's not Big Ten-centric. Obviously, UK is an SEC team. But the league has these non-league hoop rivalries, like I know bragging rights with Illinois and Mizzou. And um, Nebraska-Creighton's a thing, right? Don't, don't they take that yeah. pretty seriously? That, that's what yeah, I thought. Yeah, Nebraska won it last year. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great game. Yes, it was a very serious game, no doubt. Knowing about the history and, and to have IU and UK was, was a thing in the early years of the Big Ten Network of course indiana's breakthrough moment under tom crean 2011 um are you excited to see something like that back on the calendar again i love it i think it's really good i think i like the compromise they reached in terms of the locations of the games Uh, the more of that stuff that we can do on campus to me the better Uh, i just think uh, like that christian watford shot i mean that shot will live forever right i mean and and part of what makes it so amazing is that camera, we call it the slash camera in the business. It was up in the corner of, of Assembly Hall. And just to watch the reaction of the fans as that shot went through. I mean, it's one of those moments you just, it sends chills up your spine. So, yeah, I, I think it's wonderful. I'm thrilled to see it come back. Kudos to everyone involved for making it happen. And, yeah, I mean, is that like I, I know you're kind of going down the road of is that the best non-conference game? I mean, like, the, the you know, Illinois-Missouri is a cool game. They split it right in half and, and all that. But, I mean, when you're talking about just like blue blood programs, you're, IU and Kentucky, you just can't match that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to see it come back and, and really, again, Kudos to everyone involved. It'll be really cool. I know fans are excited. What I'm interested to see is, is Mike Woodson or John Calipari coaching by the time it gets to Bloomington, at least in 28. <laughs> you know, are they still yeah. with their programs anymore? It'll be kind of interesting to see. Uh, Dave Revson, you can follow on Twitter, X, whatever you call it, at BTN Dave Revson. Where's the BTN tailgate this week, by the way? 
The BTN tailgate is a home game gotcha. this week. They are they are not uh, going out on the road, and then I'm not sure where they're heading next week. But yeah, we have a very light schedule on the network this week. Gotcha. And I know you have uh, Northwestern, I think, on Saturday, right? Is that the BTN game on Saturday? Northwestern and Howard. Yes, gotcha. going head to head. You can check that out, btn.com. Thanks so much for doing this, Dave. You know, Jake actually does the show right before this one, and I told him yesterday that you were coming on, and he seemed to be pretty distraught about it. So I don't know if you have his phone number still, but if you could shoot him a text like, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Just check in real quick. I want to make sure that he's in good spirits, knowing that, you know, you and I have rekindled our friendship here on the air. He never checks in with me, and now I'm supposed to check in with him? I mean, I I don't know, man. I I don't you know, I'm not happy with the ratio. Like, it's got to go both ways. It's so one-sided with him, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> it is. All right, buddy. Great talk to you, Derek. Thanks so much, Dave. That's Dave Revson, Big Ten Network. He's great. Uh, great at what he does. Face of that network. And hard to believe it's been 16 years. It's, if you guys, you old heads will know what I'm, what I'm talking about. 2007, when they launched that thing, remember it wasn't available for, I don't remember who had problems getting it. Was it, if it was direct TV or it was dish or I just remember I was living on the South side. I'd, I'd only been in Indy for like a year and I was having to go to different bars to check. You know, I was in my mid twenties and, and I'm going to different bars to check if they had big 10 network so we could watch the games. It was the, it would have been the Eric Gordon season at IU with Kelvin Sampson, when we all know how that one ended, and the Baby Boiler season, the Robbie Hummel, um, that group, Etwan Moore, Jawan Johnson, uh, who's the the kid that ended up in Notre Dame, Scott Martin, that group of teams when Big Ten Network started, and. You thought to yourself, yeah, this is uh, is this really going to work? I mean, I don't know. Should Dave be leaving ESPN here to do this? And and here we are. It completely changed college athletics. You talk about the Big Ten Network and what it did for the conference and what it did for the individual schools and the tens of millions of dollars that it's made everybody. I mean, it's it was a coup. It's a huge deal that it ended up being as successful as it was and, and Dave's a big part of that um I don't I didn't want to spend too much on it I just wanted to take like one kind of break away from Colts talk on the show today because I'm just it, it, I'm extremely frustrated with where particularly Indiana is when when you have very low expectations and they still come up well short of those expectations it's tough to watch um there's still time Indiana has four winnable games left at least what we would usually identify as winnable illinois purdue michigan state is just down real bad they're in shambles right now just as an athletic program and as a university with everything that's gone on there um who am i missing in that group Rutgers, which is seemingly getting less winnable every single week and i'm not even asking indiana to get bowl eligible they're not going to win all four of those games all right like like let's let's take that out of the equation there's there's like a 0% chance that indiana ends up winning all four of those games zero um but if they were to go like 5 and 7 this year and be competitive sure i i could get on board with that i really could other people couldn't uh other people probably less patient with indiana than than i would be especially after two bad years to have another you know 5 and 7 you're not throwing a parade over 5 and 7 but it's just extremely frustrating that we're now three years into this, and, and it's it's not just a blip. You know, for a while, people were saying 2020 was an outlier. Okay, fine. 
So then you go through 2021, you're saying, well, wait a minute, 2021's an outlier. Indiana won five games in the first two years with Tom Allen. They won they won eight in 2019. They won six in a COVID-shortened season in 2020. They had one of the best seasons they've ever had that year. So 21 is an outlier. But then 22 happens, and you're like, eh, okay, 4-8. and eight. And they were very lucky to be 4-8. and eight. Michigan State collapsing in front of them. Illinois severely outplaying them for four quarters, but just having really bad luck and doing all the wrong things in that opener in, in 2022. And now you're into year three, and it's still happening. You know, you, you can't be getting – no offense to Maryland. Maryland's like a nice – you can't be getting boat raced by Maryland in year seven. You just can't. You know, if you want to cry woe is me about being in the Big Ten East and getting shellacked by Michigan and Penn State and Ohio – fine. Lots of teams get shellacked by Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State. But if you can't compete with Maryland, if you're life and death with Akron, that's a big problem. And generally speaking, when guys start firing a bunch of coordinators and publicly they're not taking any blame or, or seeming to identify any answers or, you know, I'm, I'm not even sure, you know, Tom Allen, let's let's get all the prerequisites out of the way, right? Tom Allen, nice man. Hey, he was at Ben Davis. Hey, he loves India. Cool. Great. Grand. We know that. But Tom Allen doesn't only look like he doesn't have the answers. He, he doesn't even look like he knows what the questions are with this team. They are not bereft of talent. They have talent. Jalen Lucas is talented. Cam Camper's talented. Aaron Casey, talented. So they should be at the very least competitive, but they're not even doing that. Um, it's too bad. Uh, you know, full disclosure, I, I, I might work for Purdue now, but I, I'm an IU alumnus and a former season ticket holder between uh, the Cam Cameron and Jerry DiNardo years, which was a very, a very dark time for Indiana football. Probably the darkest time, particularly at the very end of the DiNardo era there in 2004. It was rough. So I've kind of been through it, the, through the wars, I guess, through the doldrums with, with Indiana football. But it feels like we're just kind of heading back there, and that's the most disappointing thing of all. You know, I, I could handle Indiana being a Northwestern-type team where you, you have like six, seven wins, you're constantly in bowl contention, and then even once in a while, hey, we won a bowl, cool, sweet. And then maybe one of those years you can win eight or nine games, kind of like the season that Indiana had in 2019. I don't think that's an unfair bar or an unreasonable bar of expectations for IU football. I don't. And they just keep falling on their face. It's so short of even that little negligible bar. It's so low to the ground. It's barely even off the ground. And they still can't clear it. And that's a real bummer. Because I, I think people poke and, and fun at the Indiana fan base and say, oh, well, it's be basketball season. Yeah, of course the basketball team has a bigger fan base. But there are IU football fans out there that have suffered. And they deserve better than the product that they're getting here. But a $20 million buyout, what are you going to do? Might have to hang on to them for a little bit longer. 239-1070. Uh, everyone's upset about Peacock. I wanted to talk about that. Also, we'll get back into the Colts. I have their practice report or what would have been their practice report for today. And it ooh, ain't good. Derek Schultz filling in for JMV. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. 
and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The Ride with JMV. Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. The f- lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Halfway through The Ride with JMV, 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. I am obviously not John. My name is Derek Schultz. Thanks so much for joining us. Good news and bad news. The good news is that the uh, the lounge on YouTube is rolling. The bad news is is that they are in a quarterbacks ranking discussion. Uh oh, those never go well. <laughs> Though, who would you take over this guy? And you're starting to lay them all out. Oh, you're crazy. Well, you're stupid. This guy can't do this. This guy can't do that. But I guess I'm glad the Colts are in a position where you have like a rankable quarterback again. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's a good thing. You can actually like be optimistic and excited about what the Colts have at quarterback. I I, I can't sit here today and guarantee that Anthony Richardson's going to be some like Hall of Fame level player, but it's still it's it's new, it's fresh. You can see the flashes of greatness there, and guys have flashed before and not ended up being anything. You know, even you know, even guys that are are still around right now as starters. Baker Mayfield, I think, is a good example. Where, you know, sometimes in Cleveland, I'd, I'd watch. Remember, the, the the Colts played a game against Cleveland in 2020, the COVID year. In and Baker Mayfield had a couple of throws in that game where I was just like, "Oh my god, wow, this guy's got it." And then it, it just kind of went downhill for him there, and now he's trying to put it back together again. I think Jared Goff kind of went through that. Jared Goff in the Super Bowl team in that season, he made some throws. You're like, whoa, look at this dude. He's a star. And now he's he's refound himself, but I, I don't know if, you know, Goff's ever going to get back on the track of like being like a top five level player. Tua, I, I've just been all over the board. Like Tua, is it the people around him? Is it him? Uh, he's a guy that I think is very, very difficult to evaluate. So, well, I'm, I'm certainly not going to bring up a quarterback rankings thing on, on this show, and we're not going to, you know, two, three, nine, ten, seventy, rank your quarterback. We're not going to do that here. But to kind of see it play out on the YouTube lounge, I, I chuckled a little bit because I was like, well, at least we're having this conversation again because nobody would have this conversation about, you know, a, a deceased Matt Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Carson Wentz doing like lefty laterals. Uh 45-year-old Philip Rivers. A very, very limited Jacoby Brissett, who is afraid to do anything outside of throw the ball like five yards. We've had a, a rough go of it here. So let Colt fans hope a little bit. Like let people hope. Even if it's delusional in some cases. Uh, unfortunately, reality setting in for the Colts and their injury report. Now, this is just a projection, an estimation, if you will, because the Colts technically had a walkthrough today. They canceled practice. They had a walkthrough. But here is the um, injury list. 
for the Colts after the first practice walkthrough, whatever you want to call it, and preparing for the Titans. DNPs, or I guess WNPs, would not have participated. WNHP. All right, fine. I'm not going to get too far in the weeds here. Molly Cox, whatever. Mo's a nice player. Made a big play on Sunday. Uh, you're deep at tight end. You're talented at tight ends. That's fine. DeForest Buckner did not participate. Bad news. He is... I think we've been presenting Jonathan Taylor as the Colts' most important player. Jonathan Taylor might be the Colts' most dynamic player. He might be the Colts' best game breaker. The Colts' most important player is DeForest Buckner. He sets the tone for everything. Anthony Richardson will get there. Like, you know, eventually he's the quarterback, right? I get it. You guys are screaming at your radio. Whoa, what about. Okay, fine. I understand all of that, but where we sit today, and I think you saw it on Sunday, when Buckner is limited and he's on a snap count, it it completely (laughs) changes the complexion of that game. Matt Stafford couldn't walk. Matt Stafford was on one leg late in the fourth quarter in that game and in that overtime drive, and the Colts really couldn't do much with it. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that you didn't have a fully healthy Buckner wreaking havoc in the middle of that line. And everybody feeds off of that. Samson Ebukam and and Quiddy Pay and Dio, and, and, and even though Dio still had a great game on Sunday, all those guys feed off of that. So they really need him to be healthy. Shaquille Leonard with a groin injury. We talked about Shaq earlier in the show today, and um, I'm not optimistic. I'll just put it that way. Uh, I, I think we've seen the best for Shaquille Leonard here in this town. I, I don't think it's coming back. No, I, I just told you earlier in the segment that Colts fans should hope. Yeah, you can hope, but I'm trying to deal with some reality here, and, and I just don't think he's ever going to be the same player, unfortunately. It sucks. Sucks that that's the case. Tyquan Lewis is always on this injury report, so he didn't play. Um, that's that's nothing new. He's spent his entire career on the injury report. Quentin Nelson with a toe injury. That's no bueno. You don't want to see that. He's bounced back nicely. You know, the Colts need Quentin Nelson to be really good, and he's been really good so far. Uh, Quiddy Pay with the concussion and dealt with it last week, and that's still ongoing. They really need him to be there and be available. He's an important player for them in year three, hoping to make a leap. Bernard Ryman has been great. Been fantastic in year two, holding it down in a really important position in left tackle. Key player. Good news from the offensive line, Ryan Kelly back to full participation, then Jonathan Taylor full again. So there were some good things about the practice report today, but I mean, you're talking about if you're, if you're making a list of the Colts' most important players, sadly, I don't even know if Shaq Leonard belongs on here anymore, which is you know kind of depressing to think that he's not even on that list. But I, I argue certainly, um, certainly Buckner is. I, I think in, on my list, he's number one. Ryman, because of the position that he plays, I think Nelson's a really important player because you don't have O-line depth. Nobody has O-line depth. People complain about the Colts not having O-line. No one has O-line depth. But Nelson's up there as well. And and I think Pay probably is in the back of the top 10. So four of your 10-ish most important guys all appeared on this list and all were DNPs. And, and that's bad news in a division game where it feels like – and I, I'm not going to make excuses for the Colts, even though this is going to sound like an excuse. I, I'd have to go back and actually look 
you know, sometimes I, I just go on like inklings <laughs> of, of what I remember in my head. And, and sometimes it's accurate and sometimes it's I'm like way off. Um, I feel like during this losing streak against Tennessee, they've had a lot of bad injury weeks leading up into that. Like I, I feel like they've been shorthanded a lot against Tennessee. The 2020 home game that they lost to the Titans, I feel like they were really shorthanded in that game, if I remember. And I'm, I'm trying to even remember who was out in that game. But, um, you know, it's three years ago and they all kind of run together for me. Needless to say, the Colts have had a lot of bad luck, I think, when it comes to the uh, to the Tennessee game and going into it. And, and this is suddenly a, a really big, important game for them. And it's weird to say. I don't, I don't think a lot of people were expecting to use the word important in front of a Colts game for this season, but it is. 239-1070, got a couple of people waiting, including uh, our buddy Matthew in Maine. What's up, man? Good to hear from you. Hey, Derek. I had to keep my streak alive. I've never missed a call when you filled in as host. Well, that means a lot to me. You know that. Um, it's weird, right, to say that the Colts have an important game coming up here on Sunday? It is. What do you think about what you've seen so far? This is kind of like my go-to question for all Colts fans. And even we asked Jake Arthur this. I'll ask Kevin Bowen this coming up at five. With what they've done so far this season, where does it line up with what your expectations were for them going into the year? Because I think some some Colts fans are like, yeah, I told you so. They'd be pretty good. And then some Colts fans are like, oh, my God, this is great. I thought they were going to go 0-17. Well, I expected them to go 4-13, and 13, so they've exceeded my expectations because they're more exciting than I expected them to be. Yeah, because I think at this point you'd agree with me. I mean, 4-13 and 13 would be a disappointment, right? It would be now, yeah. Yeah, with what they've done. Um, and I think Richardson's looked better than – he's looked better than I thought, and I was a little more – I was more optimistic than you. I think I had him – I had him right at the Vegas – I think Vegas nailed it, in fact. Six and a half I thought was right. Um, so I had them in that like six and seven win range, but now, I mean, if I were to adjust it today, I'd probably put it, I'd bump it up to like the seven or eight win range. And, and that's ultimately where I, I think they would be, uh, enjoy new England. Enjoy the, our colors out here. Matthew suck. I don't know if it's because it's been dry or what, but hopefully, um, hopefully the leaf peepers aren't bothering you too much up there in Maine. Yeah, well, the the time to come is in the next couple of weeks because the the colors are starting to turn. We do have the best leaf peeping region in the country, obviously. It's good. Yeah, I saw an article, and thanks, Matthew. Great to hear from you. I saw an article from the Indy Star, and this is me kind of being like a stuffy New Englander from growing up in Connecticut, but I saw a star in the Indy uh, – I think it was Indy Star. It might have been Axios. I'm trying to remember which one it was, and it was like, best leaf-peeping opportunities in Indiana. I'm like, no, nah, you guys, no. Brown County, okay. Brown County's okay. It's, it's all right. There's some pretty areas of Brown County. You want to go and see some leaves, man? You go to Maine. You go to Vermont. Like that. Those are leaves. Like we're not good at a lot of things out there. They are good at leaves. That's for sure. My wife's family um, in Vermont, they, one of their, they're out like in the boonies. Um, they didn't even have cell service until a couple of years ago, but it's it's gorgeous, right? <laughs> You're in the middle of the mountains. It's it's incredible. Um they had one of their adjacent towns had to um, had to shut down the the one road into town. I don't know if it was called like Main Street or something. They, they shut down the one road into town because they were so tired of all of the, the New Yorkers and, and people like that, the leaf peepers coming in. And they were like leaving trash and uh, and garbage and all that. It's, it was it was not a good situation. Two, three, nine, ten, seventy. Let's go to Gene next on the phone lines. I'm sorry to bore you with my my leaf bragging, Gene. Thanks for calling. 
No worries, man. Uh, hey, Derek, I just wanted to kind of reset uh, the look back on uh, our quarterbacks over the past. I think we're all guilty, especially the media, of just lumping together all these starting quarterbacks we have. But Phil Rivers was 11-5 and for the Colts. And if I recall, we were a couple of key turnovers away from maybe being 13-3 and that season. Um, I think the rest of the losses were one-score games. Uh, he had a 68% completion rate, 97 uh, quarterback rating. And I believe your own Kevin Bowen reported that uh, he was willing to come back for a second year, but the Colts told him they were going in different directions. So I just kind of want to reset with Phillip Rivers because I think he unfairly gets dropped into that whole quarterback debacle that we've had for so many years after Andrew. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I'll yeah. hang up and let you talk. You know what, Gene? You're 100% right, and and thanks for saying that. Um, I agree with you. Phillip Rivers had a very underrated season in 2020. I, what I was saying was my point was that you didn't really get excited about Philip. You knew Philip Rivers was at the end of the line. Whether it was going to be a one or a two year thing, you knew it was the end of the line for him. And so you had to like kind of almost taper your excitement uh, or, or temper your excitement because of his age and knowing he wasn't the long term solution. He was just a uh, a seat filler, if you will. But Philip Rivers was fantastic in 2020. They got smacked by um, who was it? that Cleveland game was not a very a super close game. They did not play well against the Bears, but I think they ended up winning that game. If I remember, um, Tennessee beat them pretty bad here. Tennessee, I think, almost scored 50 points in that game, but that doesn't have a lot to do with Rivers. I don't remember how he played in that game, to be totally honest with you. But you, you're exactly right, Gene. Philip Rivers was a far, far better quarterback than any of those three guys. You know, Matt Ryan was just dead on arrival. Um, Carson Wentz collapsed at the end of the year. Second half of the year was just not good. It wasn't just Jacksonville in the finale. It was all of it. He was awful against the, he was embarrassing against the Patriots and they won that game. Thank God, because Jonathan Taylor hit a home run with about two minutes left to put it away. But Wentz was embarrassingly bad in that game. He had one throw against Arizona, I remember. Um, that was actually a good throw in the Christmas game. And then Brissett was a uh, – Brissett is what he was. I mean, he was a backup-level quarterback, and he was forced to start because of the retirement of Andrew Luck, and he gave you backup-level quarterback play. You know, people made a mountain out of a molehill because the Colts started 5-2, and two, which had very little to do with Jacoby Brissett. He was throwing for like a, a buck fifty a game. Um, and people went crazy because it was a cool story, and Brissett's a great guy and a great teammate, but in, in reality, none, none of that was based in um, fact. None of, none of that was grounded in truth. Uh, Brissett was a severely limited player and a backup-level player, and, and his career has played out that way. It's the reason why he's bounced around the way that he has. He's, he's good enough to be a backup quarterback and a spot starter, but he's not good enough to be like a frontline-level NFL player. So completely agree about Rivers. And and I've defended Rivers in the past, too. I really have. So I didn't want that to come off the wrong way. He had a great season. And 2020 was a fun year. They had that fun win against the Packers in overtime. Um, Rodrigo Blankenship in the glasses. You know, that was that was fun. It was a fun year. 239-1070. We'll re-rack the big headlines of the day. 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Gene had mentioned Kevin Bowen. He joins us on the show. It's... 
What show is this? This is The Ride, right, with JMV? I almost said Quarian Schultz. Oh, God, they wouldn't have been happy about that. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The Ride with JMV. They call me Cuba Pete. I'm the king of a rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick chicky boom, chick chicky boom. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hope you're having a great Wednesday. Thanks for spending with us. The Ride with JMV, 93.5, 107.5. The Fan. I'm Derek Schultz filling in. We have exciting news because we have more Colts pregame tailgate tickets to give away. Is that right, James? More? Bullseye Event Group. Join John and uh, and everyone down there, and it should be a lot of fun. It's a great spread, uh, world-class chefs, and a great way to get yourself ready, get yourself amped up, certainly get your stomach prepared for Colts-Titans across the street at Lucas Oil Stadium, a 1 o'clock kick on Sunday. Caller number 9, if you're number 9. Right now, 239-1070. Caller number nine. You and a guest are going to the Colts pregame tailgate thanks to our great friends at Bullseye Event Group. A couple of headlines to get you into, and, and we'll talk Colts here in, in just a second. Um, looks like the Rays season is about to end. They are down seven zip to the Rangers. That game in the seventh inning, game two of that best of three series. Um, old man yelling at Cloud here a little bit, admittedly. I hate the expanded postseason. I hate it. I hate best of threes. I think it's stupid. Uh, I don't think we need it. I used to like the exclusivity of the baseball playoffs. I liked having three division winners and a wild card. I was cool with it. I thought it worked. Um, I get why they did it, but it sucks when you're a team like the Rays, who I I think won. Did they win 100 games? If, If they didn't win 100 games, they came really close. They were a 90, 98, 99, whatever they were, to win team, and, and your season is over in 28 hours, essentially. And that looks like that's going to happen to them. Uh, game and series on the line between the Twins and Jays coming up. Uh, actually, coming up, it just started. Bottom of the first inning there, they are scoreless. Still to come tonight, the Diamondbacks taking on the Brewers and the Marlins and Phillies, game two of the two NL wildcard series. We had talked about the Colts' practice reports. Um, it is lengthy. DeForest Buckner still on it. Quentin Nelson still on it. Shaquille Leonard all projected as DNPs for today's walkthrough. The good news, Ryan Kelly is back uh, dealing with a concussion. He was a full go today, and also a full go was a name that we haven't seen on the practice report in a minute, and that's Jonathan Taylor. So, 
that's good news as well for Colts fans as they gear up for Sunday. Um, I'm not expecting him to play. We'll get Kevin's thoughts. Kevin knows more than I do when it comes to that. And we'll see what he thinks. I know Jake Arthur, who we had earlier on the show, is not expecting Jonathan Taylor to be out there on Sunday either. But I wouldn't be completely shut off to the idea that he could play. I think it's asking a lot, but I don't think it's a 0% chance. I think it's probably more like a I don't know, 20% chance, one in five shot that he ends up playing on Sunday. Uh, Indiana-Kentucky announced the four-game series to renew their rivalry. We talked a little bit about that with Dave Revson. 2025 is when that's going to start after a 14-year hiatus. Uh, IU fans are upset because they only got one game at Assembly and the other game has to be at Lucas Oil, whereas uh, you got two games at Rupp. I think for the greater good, to see it happen, I'm cool with it. To Just to see the rivalry happen again, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm glad that they were able to figure out a way to uh, – to make this happen here because it's still important to people. I think Kentucky people don't want to admit that it's important to them, but it is, especially longtime fans who remember the heyday in the 70s and 80s and, and into the mid-90s of, of the rivalry. Um, but I'm just excited to have another reason to um, watch Indiana in November and December. I think these non-conference games, same for Purdue, are, are important. You know, I, I, I want to – yes, it's fine to play a bunch of nobodies. That's fine. I get that's going to happen. But I, I, I want to have something to look forward to in those months. We come back on the show, 5 o'clock hour. More Colts discussion. Kevin Bowen leads us off when we return. Don't go anywhere. So ride with JMV, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hour number three. It's The Ride with JMV. 93.5, 107.5. The Fan. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Derek Schultz. John will be back tomorrow. Nice to hop on the bike and ride again. Appreciate the invite from everybody over here. A great lineup of shows on this station, not only, of course, this one, usually hosted by JMV. Also, my buddy Jay Query um, recently getting bumped up to middays and Query and Company with, with Jimmy and Eddie on the midday show from 12 to 3. And then also a recent development, uh, our friend Kevin Bowen and getting paired with Andy Sweeney, who I've known for a long time from from Louisville, from our Final Four trips um, in the mid-teens. Andy, a really talented guy, and if you listen to this show, you should check out the Wake Up Call as well every morning from 7 to 10 on these same airwaves. And KB joins us now on the guest line. Um, how, how goes it in the morning? I, I'm liking what I'm hearing so far, but I, I know people don't really understand. I think they think that you just turn on the microphone and you're like, oh, you just you just go, right? You just start talking Colts. It, it's difficult, right? When you, you just kind of airdrop somebody else in with you and, and you're trying to do a, a two-man show together. It takes some time and some growth, kind of like what we're seeing with – it's almost like Anthony Richardson just in sports radio form, right? <laughs> yeah, probably the only time that our show will ever be compared to Anthony Richardson. So. <laughs> 
Thank you for that, Derek. Always good to chat with you. Um, so appreciate you helping us out today. But yeah, it, it, I would say that's a nice, nice comparison. Uh, you know, for a- Andy too. I can't even imagine like yeah. he gets thrown into this at the start, or I guess yeah, pretty much the end of training camp, start of the regular season. Uh, he moves from Sellersburg, Indiana, just north of Louisville, for like the first time in 20 years. And then his wife, who was supposed to be due, I believe, here in two or three more weeks, she all of a sudden has little Mason Sweeney at 34 weeks. So you throw all – and Mason's doing great, by the way. But you throw all of that in there, like life-changing job, big move, first kid. That's a lot. So uh, Andy's been great. He's prepares um, a, a ton, which is certainly the polar opposite of – of the uh, of the previous co-host that I had, um, but yeah, he uh, I'm enjoying it, and like you, I think there's a little bit of uh, New York Giant background there. There is, yeah, that's what we originally bonded over. Uh, the, the good thing for me is that I was smart enough to kind of abandon the Giants after they won here because I was like, I'm good. They they're never going to top this. I'm here in Indy. They won in Indy. I scooped up confetti and sent it to my dad. Like I'm good for life. And uh, poor Andy is still dealing with the the day to day with the Giants. Hard. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah it's he a tough is, existence. He lives man. and dies with it. So yeah, he's certainly dying with it right now. Right now, a lot going on in Colts world. Um, are we just are, are are we reaching the light at the end of the tunnel in the Jonathan Taylor situation here, Kevin? Or are we just kind of restarting the clock on some of the things that we went through in in July and August again? In your opinion? Yeah, it, we we probably can finally start to see some light but boy there's a whole lot left in the tunnel that still needs to be kind of sifted through i mean again we still have yet obviously taylor's still yet to practice you know say it was just a walkthrough but the expectation is he of course will practice tomorrow the first time he's done that since mid-december and then uh you got to meet the media at, at some point um and i i would say give a little bit of his side to the story and and you know when that happens which technically he does not need to talk to the media until uh, he gets called up to the 53-man roster, so you know there's a possibility that might ha- that might not happen until whenever he's deemed game ready. You know, I- I'm curious what his message will be, what his tone will be. I've said this before, his past personality, and again, we haven't talked to him in about four months, so that's why I use that that phrase. He's not like a good holder outer, if that makes sense. Like <laughs> he's not a. He's not Terrell Owens on the driveway with Drew Rosenhaus right beside him and and doing you know push-ups and sit-ups like that's not Taylor. But again, he clearly has been pretty upset about it. But is the venom that was really alive and and boiling over in July and August is that still going to be there, or does he want to share that maybe now that he's back practicing and and theoretically he's going to play for the Colts relatively soon and all of that. So. Again, there's still a whole lot to get through. You know, October 31st is probably another deadline of the trade deadline. But, yes, to your point, I do think there is some light. It's just a lot of things we got to clear before we get there. To me, the the best thing for him, and I understand why he did what he did. I understand why the Colts have have done what they've done. It's one of these rare things in sports where, you know, everybody wants to pick a side, and and I kind of can understand. Even if I'm picking a side, I can understand where both sides are coming from. I I really have felt all along that his best – play was to just come back be healthy and be the 2021 level Jonathan Taylor again because I think what what got lost here and we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show KB is that nationally they they seem to have pushed this 
feeling that, well, the Colts never wanted to extend Jonathan Taylor. And I don't think that's true. I think they were fully intending to extend him. They just wanted to extend him on their terms when it came to timing and when it came to finances. Um, so I don't think that's off the table, at least from the Colts side of things. But if if he comes back and plays well, unless he's really dug in about playing somewhere else, I'm under the assumption that he's going to get the extension. It might not be the extension that he wants, but um, an extension offer, at least from the Colts. Yeah, um, I, I am probably a little bit more on the I'll believe the extension when I see it. I mean, clearly they've made a stance of they don't want to give him an extension right now. And we know that Chris Ballard has stated the four-win reason. And, you know, obviously, you know, you probably have to contribute a little bit of health and the new staff and however else, you know, whatever else you want to throw in there. But, you know, if you look at past pressing with this franchise with – Jim Irsay, you know, running back, getting that that second contract that really hasn't been there. And, you know, Irsay can kind of just be a – when he talks, usually he's going to express his opinion. And I think in the times that he has chatted about the Taylor situation, you've never got him in any way, shape, or form mentioning the future with Taylor. And if it happens, I tend to think it'll be the franchise tag. Um I don't think it'll be the multi-year extension. Now, again, things can change in a hurry with this, and we'll see how the rest of 2023 plays out and you know how they view Michael Pittman at the end of the year and, and what they feel like Jonathan, or, uh, Anthony Richardson needs in terms of support around him. But to your earlier point, yeah, I mean, you know, Taylor has got to, to play. He really has no choice. And, you know, if he views it in the audition light, does he, you know, look at Sunday even and say, hey – I really want to play as early as possible because you know there's four games between now and the trade deadline. And if you want to use the Christian McCaffrey analogy from last year, here, Christian McCaffrey was traded right before the trade deadline to a three and three 49ers team. And McCaffrey came into last season having missed, I think it was more than 20 games in the two previous years. So he was in a far worse injury situation. Than Taylor. I mean, Taylor missed a handful of games last year, uh, but if you look at McCaffrey's injury history, it is much more extreme than Taylor. Um, but what McCaffrey did at the start of last season, which Taylor obviously has not done, is he played. He played all those games in September, all those games in October. He proved that he was healthy. Boom, San Francisco starts 3-3. Three and three. They view themselves as desperate. They view themselves as needing something to you know, help out a, a very kind of meager-looking quarterback situation and then make that deal. Well, Taylor has not put himself in that position. He hasn't shown that he is healthy or whatever he needs to prove, and that's why I look at Sunday and look at the next couple of games and think, yeah, it it certainly benefits the Colts to get a player of his caliber back, but does Taylor still think that that October 31st trade deadline is a chance for him to get moved and get what he wants? That seems a little wishful thinking of me. But that's kind of how this process has gone with Taylor and his agent. Are you surprised that we're at the point in the Colts season where Sunday is an important game? Like, did you expect the Colts, the 2023 Colts, to have important games on the schedule? Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Um, I had seven wins for them, and, and so me too. You know, to get to seven, it was more of a kind of a back doorway to seven I kind of looked at the end of the year of like they would be playing better and and end of December and early January I think the schedule is a little bit tamer there um but I guess I probably should have acknowledged two things one the AFC South is 
still the gift that keeps on giving. It's the only division right now in football where no team has won four or three games. Everybody's at two and two. So I think inevitably when you have a team or when you have a division filled with teams and none of them are going to run away with it or get off to a great start, then boom, you're going to have a meaningful like early October game. And you could point to, you know, various Colts seasons. I mean, hell, last season. I mean, weren't they? I'm trying to think of when they beat Kansas City and then they beat Jacksonville and Denver. Like, for some reason, I'm thinking the Colts were three and two at one point last year. I mean, so I think you can. Yeah, three, two, and one. Yeah, yeah, the one, obviously the the uh, the tie. So, you know, maybe it's not the most shocking thing in the world. But if you would have asked me that, like in early September, Derek, I probably would have been like, even with me thinking they're going to win seven, like. That seems a, a bit foolish, but um, again, welcome to the AFC South. And I think in a way, too, these next two weeks, yes, they're big games for the short term, but I feel like they're, they are big games just in the eyes of Jim Irsay and in kind of the eyes of the Colts standing within this division. I mean, if you look at Tennessee, um, they have, however you want to describe it, out-bullied you, out-toughed you. They have done what I think you wanted to do. Chris Ballard wanted to create this trenches, run game-centric operation and Tennessee has been better at it than you have. They've won five in a row against you, which is a big number. Uh, I think they're eight and four against Ballard teams if you go back to 2017. And I think in Jim Irsay's eyes, the Colts had dominated Tennessee for so long in this AFC South existence that now all of a, see, all of a sudden see that been reversed. That stings. And then I think there's a little bit of like, man, we interviewed Mike Vrabel in Ursay's eyes. Like, we interviewed Vrabel, and all of a sudden, egg on its face happened with Josh McDaniels, and now it's been four coaches, and Tennessee said the same guy. And not to act like Tennessee is the gold standard, but they certainly have had more success than you have. And then you get into the seven-game home losing streak. So, you know, I know JMV's labeled it as a must-win. I think technically, if you looked at the two, I would point to Jacksonville as the game you need more than Tennessee, just strictly off of the fact that you've already lost him this year. But still, um, I think emotionally, maybe a little bit more off the field, there's a lot of factors with, uh, with Tennessee and, and why I think Jim Irsay in particular uh, is pretty fired up for this one on Sunday. Yeah, I know John loves that must-win term, doesn't he? That's one of his, uh, that's one of his favorites. <laughs> one year he had the must-win as the opener. <laughs> yeah. uh, every game, right? Every game's the must-win game. <laughs> Kevin Bowen, Wake Up Call host, joins us here. 93.5, 107.5, The Fan, It's the Ride with JMV. Uh, how about this is going to be a, a weird kind of off the cuff question, but Alec Pierce's name keeps getting brought up. I, I see it in the YouTube chat. I see it on Twitter all the time. I think we spend a lot of time talking about um, not the number one receiver, I, I guess, in this town. Like people seem to be really upset with Alec Pierce and. I don't know about you, Kevin, but he's a downfield threat, and I feel like you're starting to – I think you saw it in game four when you're starting to take the training wheels off with Anthony Richardson. Like, I think Pierce is going to factor in more and more, and he he just couldn't factor in last year because they just didn't have anybody that could get the ball downfield. But am I being too patient and and homery there with that stance? Like, that's how I feel. I I think it's going to come for Alec Pierce. I, I just don't think I'm necessarily ready to see it right away. Yeah, I, I think the greatest thing for Alec Pierce was the drafting of Anthony Richardson because Richardson's strength is getting the ball down the field. You obviously saw it on the play. Those two hooked up on on Sunday. Um, and, and I think that's why the Colts are optimistic about Pierce. And I think that's why Pierce will always have a bit of intrigue is because you can go through the course of a game and if you take two shots down the field to Pierce, and let's say three shots down the field to Pierce during the game, 
if he catches one of them, draws a big pass interference on the other, and the other one falls incomplete, in a way, that's like two catches for 50-some yards. Yeah. And that's that's pretty solid. So I think that is, again, the Colts knew or felt like that would be there. Like when they drafted him at Cincinnati, I mean, Notre Dame and Indiana fans can certainly point to this because Cincinnati played them in Pierce's final season. I mean, Pierce made big-time downfield plays against both those programs. The Indiana game was a great game. Honestly, it's probably – What's what, what's really contributed to part of the uh, you know recent downfall here, and for Notre Dame that was a game that they obviously expected to win at at home, and Pierce was tremendous making plays in the fourth quarter and again down the field jump ball. Um, I do think there's a real question with Pierce of is he ever going to be a complete whiteout? And I mean he was drafted in the middle of the second round, so it, let's not act like he was a day three mm-hmm. pick. And if you look at obviously second round picks in this league or third round picks, I mean we just had a recent draft a few years ago where. You know, Debo Samuel was there, and Terry McLaurin was there, and DK Metcalf was there, um, and, and AJ Brown was in that range. So I think that's where you're curious of like, do you see more of the Reggie Wayne route tree infiltrate the deep ball ability and the high point ability that he definitely has? I mean, he showed it last year in the last home game you won, Jacksonville. Again, he's the one that that clinched it with a huge play there to ice that game so I do think it's fair to have questions about him as a complete wide out and some of the underneath stuff and and the ability to you know make a play on third and four that you know you create a little bit of separation you kind of post up on a slant or something like that and you create an opportunity for Richardson to, to deliver the ball to you I think that's a question but him getting down the field and him contributing in that way if you back up what you did on Sunday now all of a sudden safety's kind of cheat over so um yeah, I'm not bailing on Pierce. Again, I think you have to ask the question. But at the same time, you know, this is whatever game 20 of his NFL career, Reggie Wayne would be the first to tell you, you know, he wasn't one. And you obviously have had a lot of conversations with him, Derek. You know, it, it didn't click for Reggie. He would say it's more depth chart related and that the coach you should have played him earlier. But it, it didn't really click for him until more year year two or even year uh, year three yeah and I'm, I'm still waiting for Dante Moncrief's breakout season so maybe I'm just overly patient with wide receivers I'm not sure maybe this is maybe this is a me thing more than an Alec Pierce thing gosh I, I was high on Moncrief me too oh, man boy, that was uh yeah that, that did not go well I was never happened dropping a third down in Ballard's first year and, and Ballard said something to the effect of that's who he's always going to be and, and it was one of those telling comments of like wow. you know what you know, that, that pretty much sums it up of SEC third round wide out, had all this, you know, intrigue and everything. And, and obviously didn't work out here and certainly didn't work out anywhere else. Uh, last thing here, Colts related, at least, Kevin. Um, how concerned are you about the Dallas Flowers injury? Because I, I feel like that maybe got a little bit overshadowed because he's he's while he's not a frontline player, he seemingly held his own through the first couple of games at a position where the Colts are just hopelessly thin. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great point to bring up, not only in the short term, but in the long term. Um, obviously, short term, you just pointed out, they are hopelessly thin. I mean, you know, Juju Brents two weeks ago was not dressing, and all of a sudden he now is on – he's going to be on the field for every snap come Sunday. And then the other corner, you either have to go back to Daryl Baker Jr., uh, who you benched two weeks ago, or you go to Jalen Jones, a seventh-round pick, um, a guy that I thought had a really nice offseason, but – Still, um, you know, seventh-round rookie is not something you expect to all of a sudden be playing a really meaningful third-corner role. And then I think just kind of bigger picture and and Flowers-related, of course, I mean, this is a torn Achilles for a guy that this staff was intrigued by 
And, you know, in my eyes, cornerback is on that, you know, high-level, important position that kind of stand above a lot of the rest. You know, obviously quarterback. But then I think in that second tier, you know, wide out, you know, tackle, defensive end, and, and corner, those would be on that next tier. And you, you, you just can't invest, like, first-round picks across the board. So at some of these spots, you're going to have to hit. And that's why Bernard Ryman is a third-round pick. If he can hit at left tackle, that does wonders for you moving forward well at corner yeah they drafted juju brent in the second round but you know the other corner is very much up in the air of just what the future looks like and now all of a sudden a guy that they liked a guy that i know stefan gilmore really liked as well he's torn his achilles after having i think a nice start to the season and you know anytime it's a torn achilles especially for a player at, at corner where change of direction is certainly paramount you wonder about you know where he's going to be come 12 months from now when the 2024 season is here and and now you enter an off season and it's like, okay, you know, you, you got like what, four or five young corners, you know, dating back to a few months ago that you're intrigued by, you know, flowers would have been one of them. The Darius rush would have been one of them. Well, those two are either gone or done for the season. And now it's Juju Brents. It's Gerald Baker jr. Who's already been benched and it's Jalen Jones, the seventh round pick. So I think that's where it's obviously a bummer for flowers. It's a bummer here in the short term because you're scrambling at a thin position but also in terms of trying to find those puzzle pieces moving forward, um, this is a big deal because I do think he is one of the you know unheralded guys that was in position to possibly be a, a, a key corner for the future, and now he's got a pretty steep climb ahead of him. Last thing here, Kevin, I know they took your voice away, at least temporarily. Um, how many years of your life are you losing on Notre Dame football, at least in the last two weeks? Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's um, – You know, it's just one of those, like, doses of fandom sort of reminders that I get. And Notre Dame football, unfortunately, has provided a lot of that of, like, is this worth it? Um, (laughs) But, yeah, Ohio State, I mean, how – I mean, they obviously contributed to some dumb situations. But, you know, in a way, I felt like they were a bit unlucky not to win that game. Um, Certainly, again, did their own part in creating that negative luck. But then certainly against Duke, beyond lucky to – have a quarterback that I don't call a scrambler. Uh, yeah, go 17 yards on a fourth and 16 against a really good defense. So, yeah, I don't know what they've got up their sleeve for Saturday night at Louisville and then certainly next Saturday against USC. So, yeah, the gray hair has already been growing a lot. Certainly two years with Jake contributed to more of it, and the hair loss is, um, <laughs> has been alive and well as well. So that continues to be there. Notre Dame football is not helping it, but – the crazy thing about college football is if somehow if they can get through these next two weeks, obviously beating USC a big part of it, you enter the bye week and, and the schedule outside of at Clemson looks pretty manageable the rest of the way. And who knows, maybe you can factor into a playoff uh, playoff spot. And, and look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm a football coach, but it amazes me, even like really smart football coaches, those games are so similar to me in the sense that Notre Dame had, what was it, the third and 16, and they rushed three and they get burned for it, right? It's first and goal at the one-yard line. Duke, game on the line, right? Fourth and 16. What do they do? They rush three. And you're just like, (laughs) it'd been working for you all night, doing pressure on Sam Hartman, and and he just kind of sat there like, I don't think he was ready to run, but he was just like, all right, fine. I I guess I'm just going to do this here. And you you wonder why coaches get soft in those crucial moments. I, I don't get it. 
Well, and, and two, if you look at what Notre Dame did to Kyle McCord leading into that third and 19, if you look at what Mike Elko did to Sam Hartman leading into that fourth and 16, they had brought pressure. Yeah. Like, they had, they had Duke created, brought it all night. Like they, yeah. Yeah, it's not like they had created this long-distance situation by rushing three. I mean, Hartman got smoked leading into that fourth down play there. And I, as soon as they started rushing three, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this allows him at least to, like, create something. Because, you know, they were down their top two wideouts. So, I mean, it's not like they had, you know, you know high-level wideouts. It's not that they have them to begin with. So, as soon as he started to run, I'm like, dear Lord, he must see something that is a lot of green grass. And certainly it was. So, yeah, crazy, crazy game, to say the least. Listen to Kevin every morning right here on these same airwaves, 7 o'clock for the wake-up call. Wish TV, Kevin's Corner, dude is everywhere. Uh, at KBowen1070 on Twitter as well. Appreciate it as always, my man. Thanks so much. Enjoy the chat, Derek. Hope James as well, and uh, talk to you soon, man. Same for you and, and the Bowen crew over there and Rosie and Max and everybody. Um, I've been enjoying the videos of the uh, the helmet picks every single week. That's something that I wish I would have thought of when when James was of age, when he was – uh, you know, six, eight, ten, twelve months um, in that range, crawling around and making NFL picks. It's it's really fun to to watch that. I, I miss that time. You know, everybody says that because it goes by fast and burr, 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 and you got to enjoy the days when you can. But it's always one of those hindsight things where it it happens in a flash and then it's gone, and then you're like, oh, I kind of miss when you know my kid wasn't calling me an idiot and throwing a golf ball at my head and things like that. Now James is a good boy. But it's crazy to me that you know, for the people that don't like the new age of going for it on fourth down and being really aggressive, I think there is such thing as being aggressive to the point that you're being reckless. Like there, there's a, a, a fine line there, right? I, I know that that line exists. But so often in these situations where, you know, these teams and, and this is all sports. This isn't just football, like something that is working for you. But I think we see it more in football because, uh, you know, you, you play back. Right. Or you, you play like a prevent or you play soft because um, you're, you're trying to keep everything in front of you. You're, you're, you're worried about giving up the big play, but you essentially take your foot off the gas and then the other car that's way behind you blows past you. And all you really had to do was you don't have to slam your foot on the gas, but you, you just keep accelerating. <laughs> you keep going. And so often in these high-pressure situations, I feel like coaches make the wrong decision there. But what's so nerve-wracking about Notre Dame season is that you, you don't have any priors with Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman's still new at this. He's not even a season and a half into it as a head coach. Like with Brian Kelly, say what you want about Brian Kelly and the fake Southern accent and, and things are not looking great for him at LSU. But Brian Kelly did a great job at Notre Dame and they won all the games that they were supposed to win. And you always felt like those late game situations, especially in the later years when they started winning 10, 11 games every year, they were firmly in control of what was happening. And you were you were almost like comforted by the fact that, okay, they'll find a way. Like I remember the 2019 and 2021 Virginia Tech games were like that. Um, Notre Dame Clemson in overtime in 20 was like that, where the game was on the line and they made the plays that they had to. The, the, the opener in FSU, whatever year that was, where Florida State came all the way back and then Notre Dame went in overtime. Um, you don't feel that now with, with Marcus Freeman because you don't know. Like this could still go either way. Like Marcus Freeman could be like this wonderkind and this – this next great, you know, era Parsesian of the new era of Notre Dame football, he could also be a total disaster. I, I you know, I, I have no clue. This this can kind of go either way for him. I don't know. 
And when you don't have that reassurance, it's a little less comforting when you're in Kevin's boat and you're emotionally invested in the outcome of the game and you're watching it and you really kind of have no idea what to think. 239-1070, three big Colts things that I'm looking forward to, not only this week, but moving forward this season. I'll outline those for you when we return. It's the ride with JMV. Derek Schultz filling in 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, eh? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Can't believe it's 5.30 already. Time flies when you're having fun. I'm Derek Schultz filling in for JMV. It's The Ride with JMV. 93.5, 107.5. The Fan. John's back tomorrow, so I am a temporary pinch hitter here, but appreciate you guys tuning in. Listening, watching, tweeting, the YouTube lounge folks arguing about things. Uh, It's been a fun afternoon. (laughs) Very Colts-heavy afternoon. We just had a a long conversation with Kevin Bone, of course, the morning host here on these same airwaves with the wake-up call with KB and Andy. And uh, it's been an interesting news cycle here for the Colts because you have a lot of positive things going on right now, right? The team's 2-2 and start, I I think, is a a surprise to... Most people, I'd say, certainly nationally, people nationally thought this was going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Um, but e- even most people in Indianapolis, I think, were pretty down on the Colts. So I think, I think if you did a poll, it'd be like 60-40 that are, are pleasantly surprised by where the Colts are. And it's not just the fact that they won two games. It's the fact that they've they've been competitive really in all four um, and, and could have certainly – one, despite a, a 23 donut hole early on to the Rams, could have won that game, could have rallied and won, had chances to win. Um, and the Jacksonville game was um, not a runaway or uh, or anything like that. And you go to Baltimore and you win. I, I think you feel pretty good about um, what they've been able to do here so far and, and how they've performed. But creeping back into the conversation is is something that that dominated the late summer and and dominated the training camp news cycle and that was Jonathan Taylor and the contract dispute and he's unhappy and Jim Irsay sending tweets and there's an awkward van meeting and you know we don't need to rehash the whole thing you guys kind of know how that all went down so it's it's a weird sort of feeling now we're smack dab in the middle of a division game a big game a home game against Tennessee that I'm not going to say is a must win. <laughs> I'm not going to go there, but it's an important game. I think we can all agree there. And there are very good vibes around the Colts right now. And you enter in a situation where the vibes are unknown. Uh, Jonathan Taylor coming back and playing and healthy, you would assume, is good. That's what you want. 
But if it's going to be Jonathan Taylor hoodie up brooding on the sideline from training camp, still unhappy with the team, still wanting out, that might be a problem. That's bad vibes. And you don't want to introduce bad vibes into the good vibe situation. That That's what this is all about for me this season for the Colts, guys. It's vibes. <laughs> not wins, not losses, vibes. I want to feel good about the Colts again. I want to feel good about Anthony Richardson. I want to feel good about the head coach again and Shane Steichen. I want to feel good about Chris Ballard again. We've, we've felt pretty bad about Chris Ballard here lately. I want to feel good about all those things. Hell, I want to feel good about Ursay. I've defended Ursay and, and all of that, but I, I want to feel good about him too, just like everybody else. I want to be happy. Like, remember those days in the 2000s? They roll out of bed and they win 12 games, 12, 13, 14 games. They contend every year. That was fun. I'd love to go back to that. That's not going to happen this year, but just I want to see the arrow pointing up again. And so obviously this Taylor situation is the number one thing that I'm I'm focusing on. I mentioned three big Colts things that I'm looking at this week and and that I'm focusing on going forward. Um, We need to hear from him how this is going to go. Because we can go off of reports and and, and there are people that have been connected to this situation. and, and, And I think that we've gotten some good information from you know Stephen Holder at ESPN and 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 there are some other people nationally that have been connected to this thing that have that have kind of passed along little nuggets of info, uh, and I, and I'm talking about from the start of this in in late j- July to now, so we're talking about like two and a half months of this, even though it's been a little bit quiet here recently on on updates, but we're not really going to know anything until Jonathan Taylor speaks. I can assume how he feels. I can guess how he feels. But is the trade demand, is he still dug in there? Is he still PO'd? Does he still feel slighted that he didn't even get a contract offer from the Colts? Is he frustrated? Does he feel good? Does he feel healthy? Is he confident? Is he not confident? There, there's so many things that Jonathan Taylor really needs to answer for himself. And and that's kind of the one thing in this whole saga the one person that we've not actually heard from, like heard verbal words from, is Taylor. We've heard from his loudmouth agent. We've heard from Ursay. Of course, we always hear from Ursay. And he's got a, a, a device in his hand that he can hit send at any time. You never know what you're going to hear from Ursay. But we haven't heard from the guy that's in question here, the, the, the person himself, the patient zero of this whole situation, and that's Taylor. And so if he's activated from the pup list in the in the 21 uh, day window here, if he's he's added, I, I guess I should say if he's added to the active roster because he's not on pup, right? But he's practicing again. If he gets added to the 53 man, he has to be made available to the media. And then we can actually hear from Jonathan Taylor and see where this thing is. I mean, I, I'm trying to be optimistic because he's a fantastic player and he's, He's seemingly, he's a great dude. Like, no one, I don't think, dislikes Jonathan Taylor, the guy, right? I don't. Sometimes this stuff happens in a business and, and there are feelings and egos and, and everything else involved. And sometimes those go south, and certainly they did with the Taylor situation. Not the first time that's happened in this town, not the last time. And it's certainly not uh, a situation that's unique to the Colts. Hell, we saw several running backs go through the same thing in Vegas, in New York, in Cleveland, in other places. Or not Cleveland, I guess, Cincinnati with, with Mixon in the situation. 
but we need to know that like there's a uh, a, a kumbaya here or I, I think I compared it earlier in the show to like a divorce um, and and divorces you know it's terrible and I've I've had some friends that have that have gone through it and um, and it stinks it, it stinks especially when you're like close with both you know the the people that are splitting up and you feel like you're being forced to like choose sides and it's just it's a messy situation there are kids involved it, it's horrible it's it's awful you don't wish it on anybody but there are some of those that are that they get kind of nasty and you know things are said and they and they continue to be said even years later which is kind of a, I've never really gotten like when it's over it's over like just move on but I've never gone through it and then there are ones where everything's great. Like it, it feels like they're, uh, you know, they're co-parenting and 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 everything's hunky dory. And like the the guys are friends. Like the the husband, the new husband is friends with the ex-husband. Like I, I I know one or two relationships that's like that where they like hang out. I don't know. Maybe that's an extreme example, but I I, I do know somebody where that's the case. I, I don't need it to be that level of relationship between the Colts and, and Taylor. But if divorce is inevitable here, if, if that's what Taylor wants, if he wants to get out, then I hope at the, at the very least, just in the scope of this season, things can be amicable. Like the, the two sides can just, I don't know, agree to disagree for lack of a better term. Because I think at this point, Taylor has to know the best thing for him is to come back and to be healthy and to be productive. He was trying to play a losing hand, and he lost, I, th- I think. Uh, or, or if he hasn't lost yet, he is going to lose. You know, if Jonathan Taylor wants <laughs> 15 16 $17 million, it's, at least with where we sit today, that's not happening. That's not steeped in reality. That's not where the market is. No one's paying that. And certainly no one's paying that to somebody who hasn't played in 10 months. That's not realistic. And if he wants to play somewhere else and he's hoping to get that, I mean, God love him. More power to him, I guess. I, you know, I don't think he's going to get that in Miami or Green Bay or anybody else that has been talked about in this whole kind of situation here. Like, it, it's hard to see the scenario where Taylor wins. I guess he wins if he gets any extension at all, but I, I don't think he's going to get the extension that he wants because the Colts really hold the cards here. They've had the leverage all along, and, and that's the way that it's always been, and that's the way that it continues to be. I mean, think about it, guys. How much time this season during the Colts games, and I'm talking between the 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. window of the four Colts games this season, how often have you thought about Jonathan Taylor? First game against Jacksonville, you probably did because Deion Jackson was a disaster and he's not on the team anymore and he fumbled a bunch of times. So you probably thought about it then. I'll give you that. You think about him in Baltimore? You think about him in Houston? You think about him last week against the Rams? Eh, here and there. I mean, he's been a passing thought, I guess. Nice to have, but Moss has been fine. He's been productive. He's given you probably 70 to 75% of what Taylor would give you just in in raw production. So you've gone through these first four games and you're not really thinking to yourself, oh my God, I'm just so desperate to have Jonathan Taylor back. Oh, we need him. Not thinking that. There are other players on this team that you actually do think that about. I mean, DeForest Buckner is a good example. DeForest Buckner was banged up on Sunday, and and you could tell it had an impact on the game. It had an impact on how the Colts played. When he's not wreaking havoc in the middle of that line, 
it, it sends ripple effects everywhere else. And when that's not happening, the ripple effects don't exist. I mean, Dio Dengbo had a nice game, but for the most part, the Colts' pass rush was eh. Matt Stafford on that overtime drive, he had, he had one leg. He was hobbled. He's hopping around out there. It's like when you go fishing and, and you you know you pull the fish up on the deck and it's like flopping around and, and gasping for air. That's what it felt like with Stafford. Like it was it was there for the taking. You just got to put it on the hook, and they couldn't do it. And I think a lot of that has to do with with Buckner being on a pitch count and just being a, a very limited player. Like I, I'm not even sure that he was healthy enough to be there, but they they know that how important he is and he knows how important he is. And I credit him for gutting it out. But with Taylor, and this is kind of the the whole wide-ranging discussion of why we're here with running backs in the NFL, these guys aren't around and you don't miss them. Outside of the true unicorns, like Christian McCaffrey is basically a receiver. It's, It's almost an insult to even call him a running back. He affects the game in so many ways. No other running back affects the game like he does or impacts the game like he does. So he he needs to be almost in a separate conversation. But for Taylor and, and for for all these dudes, Saquon and you know everybody else, I mean it's nice to have. They're great players. I feel for them. I I understand their gripe. It it sucks to not feel wanted and to feel like you're not getting paid what you deserve to be paid while everybody else around you get those second contracts and the lengthy extensions and the big money. I get it. But that's just kind of life in the NFL. Like very rarely are you watching one of these games and and do you miss that player? Unless the guy that that's playing doesn't belong on an NFL roster. And that's essentially what the Colts had. God love him with Deion Jackson. That's that's essentially what they had in week one. You had a guy that does not belong on an NFL roster and he's your starter. Like, okay, yeah, then you're in trouble. But with Zach Moss, Zach Moss is fine. Perfectly capable. I don't need an A if I can get a C plus. You know, I did it four years at IU. That was basically my mentality the entire time. I wish I could go back and change it because I was an idiot, but that's kind of how I felt. Yeah, sure. As long as I can cruise here, I'll take the C. I don't need the A. And I, I think the Colts are looking at the results of this season so far and where they sit. And and probably the Jacksonville game is the only game where you thought, eh, if you had them, maybe. I think they still lose that game, but eh, maybe. That's at least falls more under the toss-up category. But outside of that, I think you've been just fine without him. You know, if Taylor was hoping that, well, I don't have any leverage, but my leverage is once the Colts start playing and they see how big my absence has an impact – then they'll come crawling back. If that's the play, or if that was the play, then uh, yeah. through the first four games, I'd say that, that is, uh, that's not played out the way that he or his agent have hoped. 239-1070, we got the race of the day coming up, and back to wrap it up next. It's the Ride with JMV, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, Robo. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Welcome back. Final time. It's The Ride with JMV. 93.5, 107.5. The Fan. Thanks to James Adams. Doing a great job running the board today. John's back tomorrow. My name's Derek. Last name's Schultz. You can follow me on Twitter at Schultz975. Fun to hop back on the bike again and uh, and pedal a little bit this afternoon with you guys between three and six. Congratulations to Ryan Dietering. He is our 
uh, race of the day winner riding Jailhouse Yankee. That's a cool name for a horse. That'd be fun to do, to just name horses. Paid $2.80 on a $2 bet. $2 exacta paid out $11.20. 50 cent trifecta paid out $10.10. Harris Hoosier Park race of the day. That's your winner, Ryan Dietering. That's your winning horse, Jailhouse Yankee. And we appreciate the great folks at Harris Hoosier Park for being a part of this show. Great people over there. It's been a minute since I've been over to the track. I need to get back down there. Um, the the horse racing here in this state has grown considerably in the last 10, 15 years or so. It's become like a, a really big thing where people come in and they're bigger purses and um, a lot of good action when it comes to Harris Hoosier Park. Um, if you're a baseball fan, I know there aren't a ton of you um, here in Indy, but there certainly are. I mean, I'm, I'm still a baseball fan. I'm not a baseball fan like I was. Um, the Rays season is over. They go out with a whimper um, after losing yesterday to the Rangers 4 nothing. They don't get blank today, but they only get one across the plate, lose 7-1. to one. So Texas is on to the next round. They win the best of three AL wildcard series. How about the Twins? They broke an 18-game postseason losing skid yesterday, which is incredible, I think, isn't it? In baseball, you know how hard it is to lose 18 baseball games in a row? A sport with that much randomness? They lead the Jays right now, one nothing, and are threatening. Bases jack nobody out in the bottom of the fourth. Still to come later today. Obviously, if the Twins win, they eliminate the Blue Jays, and then they move on to the next round. Later today, D-backs and Brewers. Arizona won last night. They're up 1-0. And the Phillies trying to close out the uh, their NL East rival, I guess you could say. That. I don't know if the Marlins are rivals with anybody. The uh, the Marlins uh, coming up later tonight. That's an 8.08 start and 7.08. Um, old man yelling at cloud. I get a lot of old man yelling at clouds uh, takes out of the way. I, I don't like the expanded baseball playoffs and these little tiny miniseries. I'm just not a fan. I, I really liked the old system with just one wild card. And I'm talking old system like 2011, 1995 to 2011. We're one wild card, so you know you, you don't have a situation where the top two teams in the division, the second best team if they win. Remember that year? I, I'm trying to remember what year it was. I, I think it was 93 where the um, – the, I think it was the Giants in 93 won – 103 games and they didn't make the postseason because I and I don't even remember who was in the NL West at that time um, that that would have taken their spot. This was in the old two division era, but whoever it was, a 103 win team got left out, and then finally baseball was like, "Yeah, this is stupid. Let's not do this. Let's add a wild card." So they did. I like that system. The one thing baseball to me had going for them was the exclusivity of the postseason, and he took that away and. I'll always be angry and whiny and stubborn about it. Thanks to James Adams. Thanks to JMV, Todd Meyer, everybody here at The Fan for letting me come in and do this. Query hopped on with me. I guess I got to thank him. Thanks to Kevin Bowen, Dave Revson, Jake Arthur, all available on the podcast page. Everybody that tuned in today that tweeted something nice. The YouTube loungers. Appreciate it. I'll be back again, I don't know, in a couple of months. Once a quarter, I feel like I fill in. (laughs) <laughs> here on this show. Until next time, hope you enjoyed it. It's been The Ride with JMV, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
Hey, fans want new flooring and want it now. March is the time to buy it floors to your home, right, Brian Kahn? It really is, JMV. We have the state's largest selection of new flooring in stock. And we've just received additional truckloads of new hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. So we're marking everything down. Brian, I'm looking at some of your incredible deals. We always sell up to 50% off those big box stores. But for a limited time, you can get new flooring starting at just 80 cents a square foot. 80 cents a square foot? That's incredible. That's three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof starting under $350 at Floors to Your Home. And you can get it right now. We have over 1,200 styles in stock. Floors to Your Home is the place for the lowest prices anywhere in Indiana. I'm doing my whole house. Three very convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who has the lowest prices on flooring? Floors to Your Home. That's who.